I saw an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside. Welcome to January 26, 2019. Welcome to the debut episode of All About All Elite. This is a weekly show that will drink from the news and rumors of all things AEW in the build-up to double or nothing. We will try to make sense of all of it, not for you, but with you. Welcome to the return of the hosts who were just voted the Lords of Pain Columns Forum Podcast of the Year for WCW The Legacy Series. Thank you kindly, good folks. While WWF The Legacy Series is currently on hiatus due to the busyness of life, it hit me three days ago that I am already spending my time researching AEW, reading the rumors, thinking about it. I might as well put it all in a podcast format. So one thing that this duo, who I will introduce to you possibly for the first time or possibly you know for the tenth or hundredth time soon possibly something our shows have had in common that i have thought about um with impact the revolution way back in 2012 2013 in wcw the legacy series is i was always trying to create the show that i wanted to listen to i was trying to create the show i could not find anyone else talking about 2012-2013 fans, a lot of fans are sour on Impact. I was enjoying the hell out of it. I couldn't find anywhere to have that conversation, so Ms. Fan and I did a podcast. WCW The Legacy Series, we tried to unearth narratives decades old that were not getting their shine. Couldn't find it anywhere else. Let's do a podcast. So here we are in 2019 with a wrestling promotion that Chris Jericho uh, put so well, he signed to a wrestling promotion that, to the best of his knowledge, doesn't own a wrestling ring. So how should we be talking about a promotion that, on one hand, doesn't own a wrestling ring, on another hand, might have one of the best TV deals outside of WWE potentially being lined up? Who knows? How do you talk about a show like that, a show that doesn't exist, a show that has only done um, all-in? How... Do you discuss the rumors? How do you discuss the news? How do you know the difference between news and rumors? Do you take the time to speculate? Let me go ahead and tell you here, we will take the time to speculate. I think we live in a time where we want the news to come right now. We want to read it on a, on a um, forum, on a, on a um, news board, and then we want our wrestling to be better, and we want to be surprised, and we wonder why we're not surprised. Well, you wanted to find out what's happening for the next six months with one click on the Internet. I want to sit in speculation and wonder about what AEW might be. I want to think about the consequences right now as these guys, Cody, the Bucks, as these guys make decisions that will either open up potential or shut them down later on, I want to think about those things. And I do not want to have a tired, old, bored, stale conversation about can they compete with WWE. For God's sake, if you're listening to this, and I'm already preaching and I didn't mean to do it. I'm already off my notes, but quote, do one thing for me. Drop that goddamn narrative from your mind. 
it amazes me that every time there's a new promotion, all we want is to put them on TNT on Monday night and let them compete with Raw. And then six months later, we hate that wrestling promotion because they're always trying to compete with WWE and they can't do it. So let's get that out of our head and let's try to think about what AEW can be for AEW's sake. This show that we will do in the build-up to Double or Nothing, all about All Elite. We'll deal with rumors because sometimes that's all we're going to have. It will deal with news because sometimes we'll have that. And we don't know. We're not giving any passes on the show. I am excited, and you'll find out all the reasons in the weeks to come, that AEW potentially will exist. But if they get a TV deal in October, depending on who the talent is, depending on what direction they're going, depending on how they're booking, I don't know if I'm going with them or not. They have to earn what they get, even from someone who's excited about it. But the big question that we will ask, potentially... After we build up and after we give you everything you need to be excited about Double or Nothing, perhaps if we stay with it after Double or Nothing, giving you everything you need for the Jacksonville show. If they go to TV and if we go along with them, can we turn what is currently all about All Elite into AEW The Legacy Series? Because there are two stories about Legacy The one we told the WCW is that when when you go out of business, when you go to war and lose, the winner tells the story. But when WCW existed, WCW was trying to tell the story. Fans are trying to tell the story. Writers were trying to tell the story. So that's a different kind of legacy. That is a legacy that requires uptake weekly. So what we know is we will be with you weekly if you will be with us through Double or Nothing. That is the guarantee. Will we go on to Jacksonville? That depends on what AEW can produce. Will we go on to TV? That will depend on what they can produce. But we are here right now in January 2019, and we are excited to talk AEW. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the LOP Mystic, a.k.a. your one-man hype band, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, by God, my learned colleague. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Miz Fan, the brain. Greetings, Miz Fan fans. I have not heard that excited tone since we watched Andre ripping the golden cross off of Hogan's chest. I have not heard it since we were talking about Lex Luger winning the WCW Championship. I am excited to be back doing a program with one of my all-time favorite people to work with, Shane, a.k.a. LOP Mystic, a.k.a. your one-man hype band. Extra emphasis on the hype today. Do not hide your light under a bushel. Let it shine. Let it shine. I love it. I'm absolutely loving it. Myself and many people that I know, if there were two wrestlers left on Earth, I would watch their match, and I would do a podcast about which one I liked better. There is no doubt. But... Not all fans are like that. Sometimes you have a very special fan who uh, cannot be lukewarm. He is either hot or cold or nothing in between. And when he's hot, he has so much heat and he brings it. He brings that passion. You can't help but feel ten times more excited you did when you started. Um, And that, that is what we are bringing on this show. We are feeling hot. Right now, about AEW, we're going to try to bring to you something, as my partner said, that you can't find anywhere else. Um, 
You may have heard about AEW a little bit on uh, the Global Revolution. Myself, my good buddy Jeff. You definitely should have heard something about it on uh, Kingdom of Honor. Uh, friend of the show, Zan, doing that show. There is conversation out there. We are going to try to take that to a whole nother level because we are just concentrating on AEW and everything surrounding it, and we are feeling the maximum excitement for what this promotion could be. I'm very excited. This is something new for us. We have covered wrestling as it happens, and we have covered wrestling that has happened. We have never covered wrestling that is yet to happen, so mm. we are here going full mystic, staring into the future, and telling you what we see there, and uh, I think it's going to be great. I'm very excited. My God, I did not know we were going to go biblical with our references. How can I not be excited about that? I also had not thought about what Miz fans just dropped, that truth that we have never looked into something that is not yet, and that is exciting because as I was putting it together, quotes, rumors, thinking about things we could talk about, I kept thinking, this this could mean anything. I know what Cody's saying. I don't know what that means to Cody. I don't know what that looks like for a company. So there is a lot of that. Uh, we're going to have to take words and unpack them. We're going to have to th- take ideas. We're going to have to match patterns. Okay, he said that one time, but he said this three times. So there's going to be a lot of speculation. Hopefully you can get on the hype train because that's all AEW has right now. Because how do you get excited? There's one show in May. There's one show in the summer. And beyond that, we don't know. So you have to build that hype. And as Miz Fan said, with Lords of Pain, with the work that Miz Fan and company does, with what Zanman, Zanman I have known for years and years and years, and he is going to bring you that quality wrestling. But we are going to sit and goddamn speculate our heads are spinning. That's what we promise you. We're going to dig out the rumors. We're going to dig out the potentials. We're going to dig out the possibilities because that is part of what a hype uh, crew can do is dig out possibilities. And it's also to put these guys, like I said, you got to put these guys, you got to hold them accountable. Uh, we'll get into this, but Cody Rhodes has already said in trying to sign talent, Ms. Fan that he had no idea how competitive it would be and even how cutthroat it would be. So that is a naive way to go into it because I think I could have told him it would be like that. But already, you know, even Cody Rhodes is finding out this is not what he thought it might be, that it's going to be different. So we are going to get on board and we're going to find out what's going on and we're going to unpack it on this show all about All Elite. Yeah, I'm very excited. I can't wait. Let's jump right into it, my friend. There's a lot to talk about. We're going to crank this one up. It's going to be great. So we're going to kick right off. I just got um, about four quotes that Cody Rhodes has been putting out there. I'm going to kick them to Miz Fan. We're going to talk about the pros and cons of them, what they make us feel. Can they live up to them? Are they already contradicting themselves? What can we expect based on words being said? Because Cody Rhodes exists now. Not like I don't even think about Cody Rhodes the wrestler much. We'll talk about him a little bit in the show, but when Cody Rhodes speaks right now, he is he is forming our imaginations as fans because he's speaking more in that executive role. And the first word that he keeps using is the word fresh. He says that AEW wants to be fresh above anything else. That they want new stars, not old stars. So Miz fan. What do you think of that idea? Do you think it's sincere? And how do you think they're living up to it right now? Well, I think uh, it's a great idea. 
obviously. I think one of the chief issues that people uh, have had with WWE, and, you know, they're going to have to come up in these conversations because uh, you can't talk about the wrestling landscape without mentioning them. Um, One of the chief problems people have had, of course, is uh, people who are seen as past their prime, coming back, taking top spots uh, at certain times of year in particular, maybe holding the title for a long time without actually participating. You know, uh, we've heard these things time and time again. They're not new. They're not even really worth talking about in depth. Um, But uh, one thing you and I have talked about, and others as well, is that AEW really needs to differentiate itself. There can be really no option of being a similar yet alternative product to WWE. Uh, Obviously, there's going to be some overlap, but differentiating themselves is going to be hugely important. Um, Overall, I think so far, they've done a pretty good job of establishing how they are going to be different. Um, I know some eyebrows raised in uh, connection with that quote versus the high-profile Chris Jericho being on board. Um who uh, we will talk about a lot, I know, in this show, but who could be argued is not exactly a uh, fresh face. But um, I think uh, you can make allowances for that kind of thing, depending on what the execution is. So uh, there's obviously an element of wait and see, but uh, it's a very good idea. And, um, you know, it's sort of an obvious one, but still it's one that I think they are positioned well to actually make good use of so i'm i'm digging it okay okay i don't think there are many people that own its face would say oh that's a bad idea i I only want wrestlers over 45 years old (laughs) you know maybe there are some but i want to try to get into a couple of the complications because none of this is easy and i love that uh Cody Rhodes quote that he's already finding out how difficult this is because none, if this was easy, somebody would have done it in 2000, you know, and they would have done it to the level of what people will seem to want. But at the, at the same time, okay, so you want it to be fresh faces. Good. It's also like when we are talking about getting a TV deal, and we'll talk about this in the Jericho session as he brings this up a lot concerning himself. Um, what kind of TV deal are we thinking? Because it seems like to me that they are putting forth, they're not being shy about the idea that they might have a really good TV deal on the table. Is that fair? Oh no. Yeah. I think they're being very public about that. Um, and good. They should be, um, like you said, we might be getting ahead of ourselves, but I think, uh, even though TV is more and more becoming antiquated, I think it's super important to have that TV presence, that alone is going to differentiate them a lot uh, if they're actually on a good network. And by all accounts, they will be. So if they can pull that off, man, that's a huge step in the right direction. Okay, so we'll table this somewhat because we'll talk about Jericho. But one thing we have to ask is um, whether you like Jungle Boy or whether you like um, uh, MJF, in, in real in real life, in, be, in the business side, can you get that big TV deal simply with guys that – pitching in a business meeting nobody um in the mainstream knows who these guys are but man they're gonna be big stars one day you know? <laughs> yeah i i don't know you can't do it just with them i think you need those guys and i think to me it's not um people are kind of talking about that a little bit like it's going to be a detriment to the company it's like oh they have all these guys and nobody knows who the hell they are uh, but they have people that people know who they are mm. you know they have Chris Jericho, and we'll talk about the weight of that, but but wrestling fans at least know yes. Chris Jericho. They know the Young Bucks, they know Cody, they know uh, you know a number of people on the roster. You only need, I think, 
a set number of people that fans already know, and I think they've already hit that point, honestly, and after that, if you can get people who you can own, mm. that is actually a huge benefit to the company, in my opinion. You want those guys far more than you want to sign, like, a Jack Swagger or a Zack Ryder or somebody, you know, who already has their narrative about them. And, you know, please make no mistake, you can rewrite a narrative. Some of my favorite TNA stars of the past, you know, 10 years or so are guys who came over and reinvented themselves. And that's great when it works. But let's also not forget, it worked uh, it, it worked sometimes, but it didn't work so often in TNA that it became not just a criticism of them, but, but as a way to dismiss them out of hand. And they mm. really cannot possibly uh, go down that road. So to me, the more um, talent they have that they can introduce from the ground up, honestly, the better, in my opinion. I think that's how they're going to make their legacy. I like you're really defining things now. So yeah, maybe a handful of guys. And I think in the MJF section, I will bring this up, but I like the idea. Jericho's on a three-year contract. I like the idea of Jericho being Ricky Steamboat, 1992 to 1994. Mm. Uh, so we'll talk about that when we get there. I have my own Jericho comparison. I'll run it nice. by you later. We'll wait. We'll wait for that part of the show. Excellent. So um, I think one thing that we need to pay attention to, though, because just uh, it's funny because we're pushing this narrative about fresh, and I do think they want fresh. I do think they themselves, like, has anybody ever made themselves more fresh and relevant than Cody Rhodes did after he left WWE? Like, nobody was predicting this. There's nobody when Cody Rhodes walked out that door that said, you're going to have some competition or you're going to have, like, some trouble later on because that guy's going to change the landscape of wrestling. Like, nobody's thinking that. But at the same time, I have to wonder, is there any connection between we want fresh talent, we want the young talent, and... I had no idea how competitive competitive and cutthroat it was going to be, and we couldn't get some of the guys that we maybe originally wanted. <laughs> so that's just something to uh, table, but to pay attention to. So think, uh, the next, um, go ahead. I do want to just briefly speak on that. Uh, yeah. The wrestling industry is radically different now than when Cody left the WWE. When when did he leave? Do you remember exactly? Uh, I'm going to try to look it up here a minute because um, I want to say it was probably what three four. Five years ago? That seems like too much, but it's something like that. Um, Three, four sounds right. Um, yeah, just about. I think, I think, yeah, left in um, kind of early 2016, I want to say. So, oh. yeah, I mean, at that point, you already kind of had NXT starting up, but it was not really the way it was now. There was no such thing as, like, NXT UK. It was like a, like a dream in people's minds. Uh, there was no MLW, um, you know, Ring of Honor really wasn't signing anybody new. They just kind of right. had the same group of people. Uh, Impact was in like a terrible position where they could, they were like about to die as they always are. Um, but, you know, yeah. uh, now it's uh, it's radically different, I think, because, yeah, you have WWE signing people at an unprecedented rate. Mm. Um, I've heard rumors and, you know, I can't swear to this, of course, but I've heard that uh, if you bring to WWE uh, an offer on paper of someone trying to sign you like a different company, trying to sign you to an actual contract. They'll sign you on the spot to a better deal just to have you. Um, and that's uh, alone is so competitive. But Ring of Honor, ironically enough, losing the elite has caused them to go out and start signing a bunch of yes. people. Um, 
and you've got uh, people tied up with Lucha Underground contracts still in some places, and you have uh, Impact as well, sort of uh, like coming, I won't even say coming back to life, because it's almost just like a different company now than it was that whole time, mm-hmm. um, and they also are trying to sign people, and like I mentioned, MLW has been amazing, I think, at just picking out these young, talented people, and I think uh, if they had bigger backing and AEW hadn't come along, we might be doing MLW, uh, the Legacy Series right now, because they were kind of on the on the same road to do this sort of thing, and now they may get left in the dust. But still, they're, they're a factor as well. You know, they have their own backing. Um, to say nothing even of, of New Japan, which has been so successful, is expanding into America, and people want to work there too. That's like the number one place a lot of people want to work. So it's... Uh, it's radically different now, I think, even to just two or three years ago when Cody left. So I'm not surprised that he's surprised because, uh, yeah, of course, anybody could have said it was coming. But you go back even farther. You go back to, like, the early uh, parts of this decade. You could have signed 10 rosters worth of talent, probably, mm. just running around the indie scene. Guys that WWE didn't even want at the time. You know, but now now it's totally different. So uh, I get it. It's uh, it's a strange but really good time for wrestling uh, in a weird way. I'm just glad that it's competitive, though. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's imperative that AEW work out some deals where they can do whether it's New Japan Pro Wrestling. But I really think it might be best if they can work out some deals with like in the United States wrestling companies where they can share talent because most the the thing WWE has really blown my mind because even they are now working like with a few people they're they're doing it kind of more as like a well we sort of own you thing which i don't really appreciate but you know they are doing more than they used to Uh, but still i think the number one way you can get an advantage on wwe is by having partners because that is not something i can really foresee them doing and you never know because like i said things have changed so much but yeah the more partnerships that they can form the better off they will be because that gives them access to just a wealth of talent all around the world um, that they don't have to own necessarily. These are guys they can bring in super polished already and just impress the hell out of people and they can come and go, you know, like the WCW New Japan partnership uh, back in the day. They don't have to be around all the time. You know, you you can just say at some point, oh, you know, here's someone from New Japan. And especially now people will probably know who that is. And if not, guess what? Again, this is your chance to introduce them. You know, you get to form the narrative around them, and that's that's really valuable. So I think that that could be a huge thing for them. I really hope they're able to uh, form some good partnerships out of that. And... Do you think in a world where, let's say, AEW has a handful of talent, it could be 5, could be 10, could be 15, could be 20, that are strictly AEW stars, and then they have 5, 10, 15, 20 who are, you know, shared between whatever, New Japan, Ring of Honor, uh, TNA, anything that they would give a company could give a push to a guy or an equal push to a guy who is not fully in the company. Uh, I think it's absolutely possible. I don't know if there's a lot of precedent for it, uh, but Cody and the Bucks have been breaking precedents for a while now, and uh, I don't see any reason why it couldn't be done if you do it well. Uh, I think the key will be getting fans to buy in to what you're presenting on screen and not being obsessed with, oh, well, I read this person is not signed, so this push is meaningless, you know, and kind of yeah. checking out mentally. That's a big danger, unfortunately, in the yeah. current age. 
and that makes me very tired because I don't like to engage wrestling that way. But you know, it's a, it's a reality. It's a fact. So I think they're going to have to try to play their cards close to the vest and uh, be really, really engaging in their on-screen product. Even if they don't try this, I think that's going to be true because nothing, I think, tires people out more than kind of getting overexposed to this stuff and, uh, you know, getting obsessed with these parts of the business, which, you know, in a perfect world wouldn't really matter. But we we don't live in a perfect world. And I know as a wrestling fan, I want to know for myself because like a guy who very well might be one of those guys, if they can get him, could be Pentagon. Pentagon could be a shared wrestler. And so I want to know when I'm watching AEW, could this be a guy that if the the mood is right and the moment is right, he could pop like a Mexican Stone Cold Steve Austin? Or is he going to be like a WCW 90s watered-down New Japan guy who comes in and they're never going to feed the gimmick? They're never going to make him a top star. You know, I want to know if I am, you know, spending energy that could never be actually met in reality. So a lot of nuances in um, where they've got to move. I think they need to get on board with people because you're right. We're in a moment that even if AEW doesn't exist, that's such a good point. We're in a landscape we've never seen before. We got New Japan and Ring of Honor you know, selling out Madison Square Garden, like mm, everybody's yeah. on the move. If you're not watching MLW, you should be watching MLW because it's fucking awesome. Yeah. And they've got a lot of young talent signed up. And so it was already happening and it, it continues to happen. It doesn't go away. These promotions don't, don't fold because AEW is coming into the mix. So how do you learn to play amongst the uh, entities that already exist? That's going to be big going forward. Absolutely so, and I think that's a great point. I really don't see anybody folding because of AEW, um, which is a very bad talking point that has been trotted out by uh, the Evolve booker, um, who is now so closely wedded to the WWE that, uh, you know, it's like the end of Animal Farm. You look back and forth, and I don't think you can tell the difference anymore. So, yeah, that's a ridiculous situation, no doubt. So Cody has said that they want longer storylines in AEW. Um, uh, he's kind of compared that to, uh, I I guess with WWE, I don't know exactly who he's referencing, but he's compared that to something that people maybe enjoyed back in the day that they don't see as much now. So, um, any thoughts on the idea of longer storylines? Well, I mean, anybody who's listened to me knows what a huge fan I am. Uh, all of my favorite promotions that I watch right now, um, have those, you know, Lucha Underground, has stories and character arcs that span yeah. years, uh, and I love it. And I hope that we get season five so much out of all this. You'd think with so much demand for wrestling product, they yes. would be jumping on season five. And it's, it's ludicrous to me that they're missing the boat on this, but I'm, I'm hopeful still. Um, Chikara, I've talked about many times, uh, plays out stories over the course of years, um, you know, uh, respects their fans, treats them as smart, knows that they remember things. Comes yeah. back around to them, you know, uh, in dramatic ways, which I love. Um, and, you know, uh, several other products around the world does that. Uh, and I think it's it's the key because, again, it's differentiating yourself from WWE. And, you know, uh, a lot of people like current WWE. They like the characters and stories. That's great. That's awesome. I really do not want, like you said, this to be about AEW trying to, quote, unquote, take down WWE, you know, I want them to just stand independently, and I think one way they can do that is tell stories that, you know, treat the fans like they don't have the memory of the goldfish, they have the memory of a human being, you know, these are fans who can see something happen, 
um, you know, and react to it because they remember everything that's come before it. And the people writing the show remember everything that's come before it. It's not changed on a whim, um, you know, week to week, um, which is the feeling, you know, I think some people do get with WWE sometimes. Um, but even that, it's not necessarily even about that. I think it's just going to be telling stories, having character arcs that they can respect in and of themselves, you know, completely irrelevant what others are doing. Uh, if they tell good stories that are engaging to people, I think people are going to respond regardless. Yeah, and I'm trying to look at everything to see what the patterns are. I will be doing that all the way through. And this is one where I think the patterns are positive. Hmm. The way they built all in, yeah. the way they're building to um, Double or Nothing, you had the rally, and it was just announced in the last day or two, February 7th, which means I think we'll be talking about this in two weeks on the show. They will be having a ticket announcement party, which will be live streamed from the MGM Grand Hotel. So they are not only making something big out of everything they do, they're taking their time. They've also claimed that they had guys signed before the rally that they didn't bring out at the rally. Mm, they're not trying to like they're not trying to give you everything on one day. They're trying to make the Jericho thing pop and other things. Mm. So at least in the patterns I'm seeing it looks like this is one that they maybe will pull off well. I think so. And I think they're in a very uh interesting point of time here because right now the only story they really need to be telling is the story of AEW, you know, the the yes. company itself coming to life is the story. And that is great for now, and I think that's the story they should be focusing on first and foremost. But that's I also good hope, buddy. yeah, I also hope they do start branching into uh, other storylines, more personalized storylines. I mean, just look at Cody uh, trying to win the NWA title, and what a key piece of All In that was for a lot of fans. Um, that was a story which ultimately didn't really have anything to do. With this, you know, we didn't even know there would be a new company at the time. The story then was just the single show. It was all in. Look at this huge event, this like once in a, a lifetime potentially experience that we are having, independent of, uh, you know, the company that has monopolized the business. But still, you had other stories within that. And the more that they can plant the seeds for that now, I think the better off they will be come double or nothing, come uh, October when they may or may not get their TV show. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, a balance that they're going to want to strike. And I think they're hopefully already moving that direction. They've been good at being able to do both to be able to tell yeah. that, that grand story. And then when it's time move into the storylines and one way they may already be doing that. So you got this four minute video that just came out that at the end it shows on a screen. It's not even announced. It just shows on a screen that February 7th event is coming. So um, Cody's just talking about uh, AEW in the way that you were talking about at the beginning, telling that story. But then he's taking these questions, so he'll ask, he'll repeat the question. Um, and so the last thing he says in the video is, "Who am I wrestling at Double or Nothing? I don't know." And then we cut to the screen for the ticket announcement uh, party on February seventh. So possibly teasing that we might get something okay. there. Okay. And so in my mind, this is my my belief based on no, nothing, but, uh, you know, a little felt sense and hope is that what, what, what the calendar is starting to possibly look like, according to rumors, is you have Double or Nothing in May. You have a summer event in Jacksonville, which is kind of the home base. And I so I, I think it's going to build as it goes that maybe Jacksonville is going to launch 
possibly towards moving towards maybe the TV deal if it exists. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're going to do it a little bit at a time. But I I don't doubt, as someone who, you know, watched All In, I don't doubt that Double or Nothing is going to have compelling stories. And I think Jacksonville, if I were doing it, I would try for another All In with Double or Nothing with maybe a little bit more. But just, you know, compelling stories a night that gets people in the building. And then definitely with Jacksonville, I would try to be moving. Doing do something in Jacksonville, mm, yeah. That, you know that launches something that is AEW related that can tell me, okay, when I, when it goes to TV, you know this, and so who knows what it'll be, and when it gets closer, we can get excited about it because how did they how did they determine their first world champion? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a big fucking deal. You know, hopefully it's not Eric Bischoff handing the belt to Triple H or whoever did that, you know, <laughs> but there are a lot of ways to do it, you know. For sure. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited to see it. Um, one thing that occurred to me just kind of as you were talking is one thing I would like to see out of AEW, um, certainly more so in the future, I think, is uh, a lot of times now in wrestling, and I think maybe even at All In, they did this a little bit, and I don't mind it a little bit, but um, there's kind of a trope where like after the match, no matter kind of what happened, everyone sort of like joins hands together and they bow and like they all congratulate each other and they all love each other. And I think that's fine kind of like now and then in the right sort of place. But I hope we do not see too much of that, especially as we get closer to a weekly TV product, because I think there's nothing more compelling for me, at least, than these personal issues. And, you know, it's okay if I know that they're all friends behind the scene, they're all working together, they're all accomplishing something. You know, that's great. That's awesome. But don't you don't have to necessarily like curtain call yourself uh in wrestling um and i think as we talk more about the show i'm going to identify a few other tropes i would like to see dropped maybe maybe you know that it will not be for me uh in all aspects and that's fine but i'm just going to throw that out there uh i think there's going to be a lot of temptation for that because they are accomplishing a lot and they're going to feel very proud of it and sometimes, like I said, I think it'll be appropriate, but um, but yeah, I, I do not need to see that all the time. And the more uh, personal and impactful it can be, the better. It's something maybe you want to talk about right now is uh, wins and losses mattering is something yeah. he's mentioned. So if somebody has just lost a match, even if it's a match with your friends, I don't necessarily want to see that person then standing there smiling, yeah. raising the hand of the winner. You just lost the match, buddy. You know, you're going home with less money. You've lost prestige. You've lost some face, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know if I necessarily want to see that so much. And I think there's going to be a big temptation to do that. And I hope they don't give in too much. I'll just say it that way. There are two, I agree with that 100%. And there are two things that I worry about that are completely opposite of each other. And one of them... You know, I I worry about the potential of some of it being too sports related, which is weird for me to say. But like, <laughs> I, I don't want you. it to be Ring of Honor where we just wrestle each other, or, you know, or like we're kind of like UFC and it's just about competition. Because I, I don't think it's going to be that. But that seems to be a lot of like comment section uptake of what they say when they're talking about wins and losses matter. Okay, so it's going to be Ring of Honor or it's going to be UFC, you know, where it's all just like about the and. The other side of it is I don't want to see, I do not fucking want to see a bunch of goofy young bucks um, congratulating each other and, you know, winking at the audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think for All In, some of that was okay because I think All In is just a, like, I think you can put All In into what will be the canon of AEW, but you can also 
is a standalone show as well. <laughs> it's like WrestleMania 1. It sort of doesn't necessarily fit with a lot of other stuff. Um, like WrestleMania 1, it was sort of just like a, an exhibition-type show in yeah. a lot of ways. Like, hey, this is a, some of the sort of stuff that we might do, you know? It's not necessarily like the, the big feuds, the big characters in the same way that you might see at later shows. So, you know, that's a good point. Um, and I think to be fair to them, where the storylines were deep and established, I don't think we saw that. So. True, yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, as silly as it was, uh, Adam Page and yeah. Joey Ryan, you know, who had like a sort of goofy but also sort of murderous storyline, yeah. you know, they weren't hugging at the end or anything. So uh, Cody and all uh, this also, you know, they maintained their issue. So it's a fair point, yeah, when it was appropriate, it kind of went that way. But it is, it's going to be interesting because this is the big question. That's a fair question with Cody and the Young Bucks is how can you separate yourselves from yourselves and from, you know, you can't, you're going to put on some hats that, you know, don't always favor them. For sure, for sure. And so we'll talk about that weirdly in the rumors. There's a, there's a rumor that, that we'll come back to Nick and uh, Cody, but um, yeah, these are big, these are big decisions. And that's what I mean. It's so quickly. Do you go, we're going to be talking for weeks about what will AEW be, and then in one moment in time, we will collectively make a decision. Oh, my God, that's what they are, and I like that or I don't like that. And that's hard, but that's what we do. You know, sometimes it's intentional. I think, like, TNA building an X division was revolutionary. Sure. But I I don't know that you have to go forth and say, we are TNA, a play on the letters, and we are the X division, and that's what we are, and we're total nonstop action. You know, one thing I would like to see is be four, five, six, seven things. Yeah. Don't say we are one thing because, God damn it, you might be the best at that thing ever, but you also have limited yourself to anything outside of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's just that's another worry of mine is you have to you have to you have to brand yourself, but you also have to brand yourself with potential and opportunity and not limitation. And that's hard to do as well. For sure, for sure. I think one of the strengths of All In is that um, almost every match was really something different, and I think the more they can hold on to that, the better, because they have a chance, I think, to be kind of a melting pot of a lot of things that have worked in uh, independent wrestling in the past uh, decade or two. Um, and, yeah, holding on to that, I think, uh, is going to be important, because, yeah, I think it's very easy to establish kind of a house style where everything sort of starts to look the same after a while. Um but uh, I think, based on the experience of the people running it, I'm less worried about that because they, they kind of have a good grasp, uh, at least as I have seen, of a lot of different kinds of things that work and maybe some things that don't work that they can recognize. So I'm, I'm optimistic about that part of it, for sure. Nothing has made me more impressed with Cody and the Young Bucks than going back and listening to podcasts from Eric Bischoff and Bruce Pritchard and all of these guys. <laughs> because... Whether I like them or don't like them, there's just a lot of things, especially Eric Bischoff, that he says that I'm like, you don't fucking know what you're talking about. You don't know what what year that happened. You don't know that even happened in your wrestling promotion. And so if they got one thing going for them, I think they might be the most plugged in group in a long time to really be doing it. Mm, sure, sure. And that's 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 interesting. I think it definitely is, you know, uh, because I like that they put together a lot of this stuff, or at least the idea of it, before they necessarily got all this money and not vice versa, um, yes. you know, because Eric Bischoff, 
you know, uh, I like a lot of the things Eric Bischoff did, honestly. You know, um, I don't listen to his podcast necessarily, but uh, I get why people do. Uh, he's an interesting character, but, uh, you know, I know he was he did, like, uh, interviewing in AWA or whatever, but really he was, like, a TV producer kind of guy who became part of wrestling. I don't want to say by mistake, because obviously it was his goal, but you, you, you kind of know what I'm getting at, no. right? Like, if he had gotten a different... TV producing job. I don't think he would have necessarily lobbied to go back to wrestling or anything. Bischoff will you know, tell you yeah, this. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a totally different sort of thing. You know, these guys have like breathed wrestling uh, and nothing else for years, for so long. You know, they've committed so hard to making this work. Uh, it's really just a different conversation entirely, I think, than a lot of the people in the past who have been in a position like this. Okay, so we will wrap this up with a just um, short comments on a couple of things. So they're talking about possibly bringing back the top ten. That's based on uh, magazines in the past. It's based on WCW in the early nineties. Um, is there any contradictory between having a top ten, which seems very long term? So each week, you know, mm -hmm. people are, like people might go from seventh to fifth, and that might be a big deal. Versus the fact that Cody Cody also keeps saying that they're going to be very attentive to fan responses and as if like things may change like in the moment based on the kind of responses people are getting. So uh, what do you think about those two ideas, the top 10 and then the idea of kind of like, you know, really flipping things based on fan response. Mm. I like the idea of a top 10, you know, I appreciated it in WCW, the legacy series when we watched through and saw some of that. Um, I remember, I think TNA tried to do a top 10 some years back and it didn't go well, but that's TNA. So we won't judge based on that. Uh, I think you can balance having kind of an official listing and then things happening in the moment. Um, I do hope whatever they come up with, they have some sort of, you know, in-universe way of making these matches because I would like to see another trope dropped where, fan, where talent can just kind of come out and make their own matches sometimes and sometimes they can't and it's not, you know, I would really like to see... Definitely not, like, the evil authority figure. How about just a neutral authority figure? You know, give me a Jack Tunney or something. Yes, who could yes. show up infrequently and just make rulings. And, you know, we kind of know how the matches are happening and why. And, you know, that, that gives you the option to do things. Like, if it's, if it's hot, you can kind of jump in and do it that way. But you also have something organized and not, uh, not kind of tired like we have seen where it's either just chaos or it's someone quote unquote evil who is like trying to sabotage the promotion. You know, I would definitely like to see something like that strike a balance. Yes. For the love of God, can we not start every show with somebody coming down and talking until they stop themselves mid sentence. So the music can play for the next person who comes <laughs> down and then we get a match set up eventually out of that segment. I don't even understand. Like, I don't watch WWE. I watch it once every five years, and I watched it um, in the last couple of weeks. I forgot why. I think I wanted to be excited about the Royal Rumble. And then, it, like, the first segment, John Cena maybe was out there, then Drew McIntyre, then Finn Balor, then Seth Rollins, and then, oh, it's a six-man. And that's the same thing that happens every time I watch, you know, once every five years. And and they're always shocked. You're like, oh, my God, how dare you interrupt me in this first segment, sir? So please, for the love of God, don't let that be the way you structure things. Right, right. 
So, yeah, I'm excited about the potential of a top 10. They're talking about he's already seen potential new ways of doing it, so I don't know what they would be. But I also like the idea of almost like um, the idea of a storyline fans affecting things more than a real. Because I don't trust fucking fans to affect uh, booking, to be quite honest with you. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, I but I do like the idea of maybe if you have whoever in, in the center telling us, Oh, so and so is at number seven, but he looks to be trending up. You know, he got a good ovation and a lot of motivation going forward. You know that that old thing, something like that. But I don't, I don't know that I trust uh, the reaction because wrestling fans, you can't always trust their reaction to the genuine one. So you got to be careful how far you go with that. In my humble opinion, for sure. I mean, what I would like to see to that is, um, you know, a big thing in the WWE in the past fifteen years or so is uh, people not really necessarily liking whoever has been picked to be the top star. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot that goes into that, um, you know, their actual popularity versus right, yeah. fans in the arena. And I get that. But, yeah, maybe if you've got somebody who's only working like 50%, maybe just try somebody else, you know? Yeah. You don't have to go all in on one person forever. Uh, you know, be experimental, play with it, you know, see what the fans think. Go back and forth a little bit. Be unpredictable. Surprise the fans. You know, have them follow you instead of you necessarily following them all the time. Mm. So I think there's a lot you can do with that. Not necessarily just uh, mindlessly chasing whatever the fan response is that week, but kind of uh, taking it, measuring it, responding it organically, trying out different things until you kind of find the best possible balance. And then just, yeah, being willing to shift that around as you keep going. So that that's what I want to see. Yeah, because I agree. If you just follow, like, the, the pops, um, you can get very confused, I think, about yeah. what will happen because it can go back and forth really quickly. And it can be even as simple as, oh, now they're pushing this guy. I'm a contrarian, so I like the other guy more now. Yeah, yes, so, you know, can. you, can't, you can't fall back every week. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, there's some stuff you could try that I think uh, will be very interesting. That's a good point. Uh, I will say... The, one of the most exciting things, I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't write this down, but these are some of the most independent of independent people. Like the Young Bucks, whether I like them or not as performers, got over by their fucking selves and made money by themselves mm -hmm. when people weren't really doing that. So anything can happen when you change roles, but I have no reason right now to believe that they're not going to honor the guys that are getting out there and making something happen. I would really hope so, you know. I think... Um... There can be a dark side to that because when you have uh, used your own idea to get over for a long time, there may be a danger of thinking your idea works for everyone or, hey, you know, I'm smart. I've got the magic ticket. Uh, this guy needs to listen to me or maybe hit the highway. But uh, I haven't necessarily gotten that impression. So I, uh, I, I just uh, want to throw it out there as a possibility just to prep, you know, if there are problems. But uh, generally, I don't think it's going to be an issue. I agree. They've worked collaboratively with so many different talents uh, in the modern day, and uh, I think that's given them a great window to kind of know what works, what doesn't. And one of the things that works for a lot of people is letting them do their own thing. Um, although there could be a danger to that, too. I actually have in my own notes that I hope there is – some production still, because I'm thinking of one guy in particular that you and I are very big fans of who maybe needs a little more production to kind of hit his full potential. And that guy is Pentagon Jr., um, yeah. who I uh, absolutely adore in Lucha Underground and like a lot. 
pretty much everywhere else. Um, and the difference is very large, I think, uh, if you look at it very closely. So I, I want to see some production, some people who are able to kind of rein in and like give direction. I want to see that kind of stuff still happen. I don't want to see everyone just going out and just completely doing their own thing independently. I want people to own their characters. I want people to own their performances and to be independent and to feel fulfilled creatively on an individual level. But I think sometimes, yeah, it's going to be better if there is some control and I hope they can get a balance with that. You actually just set up the final uh, note that I had from Cody with better than I could have done because it is Cody compared this to eighties WWF where he wants minimal writers. He wants you tell the wrestlers, this is the direction you're going and then you go out and work the match. They go out and work the match, or they work the promo. Mm. So I think, for me, that's 100% exciting. I do accept the risks that come with it, but I would rather, if they're going to fail either way, let's put it this way, <laughs> I would rather they fail because it's too chaotic than to fail because it's yet another place that is too stuffy, and they just... So I felt sense-wise. I don't think they're going to let anyone come into a company they're trying to build and just turn it into like a shit show like scott steiner's right. not gonna come out and tell you to go watch wwe i don't think <laughs> just as well they not touch scott steiner as much as i appreciate the man at times um yeah no i totally get you um but it is a little bit of a concern though i think it is it I, should I be feel Pentagon sort of started because what you know, like I said, I love Pentagon and Lucha Underground, and I still really like him everywhere else. But it was really when he started, you know, the Lucha Brothers worked the Young Bucks and all this stuff. That's really when I started noticing, huh? Pentagon instead of just kind of like being a badass is now just like taunting a lot and right. to the crowd, and now he has to do like kind of this shtick every time. And you know, part of me wonders, like, is that a Young Buck influence? Because that's kind of their hallmark. Like, they're going to play to the crowd. They're going to do their shtick. This is, like, first and foremost, above and beyond, you know, kind of the match itself. So is that going to be a pattern? And that does make me a little nervous because that's not really my kind of wrestling. It's not really what I'm hoping to see from AEW. So there's a little concern, I think, with the influence that that could have. You know who you sound like? Oh, no, who? You sound like Vampiro um, in the, the announcement that Lucha like. Okay, if I sound like Vampiro in Lucha Underground, I'm okay with that. I don't want to sound like him anywhere else. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like he okay. he's always critiquing Pentagon for like playing through the crowd too much. Sure, you know, not sure. Thinking about the match. And so with good the, reason, I think. It's, yeah, even the Pentagon character in in um in uh, Lucha Underground is guilty of that. But I would the only place I would push back is if Pentagon is getting all the blame for not being as successful outside of Lucha Underground, I would push back against that. because oh, I no, 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 for sure. A lot of companies I've seen, I seek out Pentagon. He's one of the guys I seek out most. Um, I think uh, he has some of the biggest star potential in the world. Actually, if we talk about it later, I think he's the number one guy that AEW should make sure that they get come hell or high water. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally get it. A lot of companies have not used him to his full potential. They have not presented him as well as they should have. Uh, and I, I've critiqued that a lot, actually, on the Global Revolution, uh, if anyone has listened to that. So it's totally a fair point. Um, but I do think he has to own it himself a little bit, too, yeah. because when I see Pentagon, I want to see a badass who's dangerous, who might break your yeah. arm. I don't want to see the guy who's doing the, like, elaborate, oh, I'm taking off my glove, and I will do a fancy taunt in your face, and we'll <laughs> do this for the first 
five minutes of the match, you know? Like, that's not... It's a different guy, I feel, than the guy that I really uh, was attracted to originally. And I think he has to own it to some extent, because he does it everywhere. This is not one particular promoter telling him to do that. This is, like, his permanent shtick now in a lot of places he goes. And it's not... It's just not my favorite, you know? I think okay. uh, there's okay. something better you can do with it. I do like the shush the crowd chop um, myself, but... There's things he... Go ahead. I just say, yeah, like, there's a balance. I think there's a little bit of that that you can do, but I've definitely seen him go way overboard, in my opinion, and it it brought the Young Bucks to mind very much, because, you know, many times that you would see that they would rather, you know, uh, chop their crotches and, uh, you know, get the crowd to say suck it and all this sort of thing, rather than wrestle. Um, I'm starting to think, too, he might be be too good of a guy. Like, I don't know him, (laughs) but... Like the promo that when I saw him with, with Austin, like have you seen Teddy Hart versus um, Pentagon from MLW? I have not. It's a good match. I recommend it. I think it might be 2019, but there's a little. He's coming out and he's trying to do. I guess he's. I don't like this either. I think he's turned the Cerro uh, Miedo um, little hand gesture into almost like a wolf pack thing where you can do it with the fan. You know, it's yes. like. Yes. And like there's a little kid who doesn't want to do it. Really, he's turned around doing playing or doing something else. And the the father has to almost turn him around, so because Pentagon is just waiting there to do it, and it's a really nice gesture. I think it will make the fan, if the fan's not a stupid little five year old that can't appreciate it, <laughs> no offense. Um, like you know, it's it's a special moment, but that's I don't want to see Pentagon doing that. Like Pentagon shouldn't care about making that five year. Like yes. do that out, do that backstage. You know, that, this is exactly what I'm talking about. I, I'm all about Pentagon being cool and the fans liking him. You know, people threw up their middle finger with Steve Austin every day, but you never got the sense that Steve Austin cared if they did it or not. You know, we cannot see Pentagon become, you know, Rey Mysterio, like touching heads with kids in the crowd. We do not want to see Pentagon as Bret Hart, like trying to play to little kids in the front row. You know, I, I don't want to see that. That is so not who Pentagon is to me, and that is so not what has made him popular. So I really need someone to get a good grasp of who Pentagon is at his best and really execute that. And I guess that's what I'm saying when I think there should be some production, because I'm afraid if you leave Pentagon to his own devices right now, this is just what he's going to do, because he kind of like, you know, he got out of Lucha Underground, he got out of uh, AAA, all that stuff. He went to America, he worked with the Young Bucks a lot, he saw that it worked for them, and now he's kind of doing the same thing, yeah. you know? And, and he's just a totally different kind of wrestler at his best, I think, than they are. But at the same time, I think it must be very tempting, because I think it's a very easy way to get over, you know? Not that uh, the Young Bucks took the easy way out or anything, but you know what I mean. Like, you yeah. kind of guarantee... It's the Jim Duggan effect. You know, you play to the crowd, the crowd will play to you, and that's great to a point. But Jim Duggan never drew any gates, you know, and that's important to me that Pentagon is successful as a big draw because I really believe he has that potential. So that that's what I want to see. You have said a show's worth with that. could have been its own episode because <laughs> it's a big deal. And now like three points just popped into my head. Number one. You know why Steve Austin was so hot? This is why I would say to Pentagon, if I could sit down with him. You know why Steve Austin was so hot for so long? It's because he did not care. He never he never gave the fans that release that holding up their middle fingers like did validated him. Mm-hmm. So they kept on doing it because they didn't get their validation. You know, yeah. the minute you validate, and this is why I see, like, even in that MLW, this pissed me off so much, and it, it, it's a symptom of the problem you're talking about. So now, like... The Cerro Miedo, Miedo chant used to be like fucking 
danger if you're watching Lucha Underground. Yep. Now it's a back and forth chant with that and Teddy Hart. Like, you know, it's the WWE chant of this guy and this guy. And like watching that, I was like, oh my God, you, 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 you are like a half step away from becoming babyface doink the clown if you're not careful. And so, yeah. you know, watching someone who really could be a moneymaker and game changer, you know, standing in a world where Steve Austin is on one side and Doink the Clown is on the other, and it looks like they're walking towards Doink the Clown is an interesting... This is what real-time legacy series would be like, by the way, if we're doing this, because in real time, you're watching this man make decisions that could not only impact himself, but a wrestling company for a long time to come. Yeah. And then the other point I would make is, yes, he needs to do better, but, like, he can't do the things that he needs to do without the storylines that support it. Exactly. Yeah, there are some wrestlers who will just always excel the most in the right story, in the right presentation. He needs a company that will support him in the presentation of this character, because that, that's really what it is, first and foremost. Because Pentagon, he's a very good wrestler, but if you just want a great wrestler, yeah. you'll pick Phoenix every time. Yes, he's, absolutely. like, ten times more amazing just coming in cold. Uh, but yeah. Pentagon can always be greater than Phoenix, because even though Phoenix is actually very good with some character stuff too, as we've seen, yes. Pentagon is above and beyond at his best, and that is what you need. You need to tap into that aura. You need to present him in that way. You know, at least that's what I want to see. I say you need, like, I know everything, but, you know, this is just what I want to see as a fan, so that that's really what I want. I'm willing to say you need on this. <laughs> okay. Because that's where <laughs> the money's going to be. I'm partnering with you, my friend. You say, <laughs> yeah. you say the things that I'm too, uh, too, too afraid to. I can't not say it because I've seen it in Lucha Underground. I saw its potential and asked, like, watch Teddy Hart and, and um, Pentagon when you get a chance. And, oh, yeah, I'll put it on my list. <laughs> you know, decent match, good match, and but, like, Nothing special. Like, if I, it's the first time I ever saw Pentagon, I don't even know what I would think about him because, right. and it's like, if Steve Austin never hit Austin 316, he never hit that moment, and he just jumped around from independent wrestling companies, but he was still called Stone Cold, it wouldn't be the same thing as what we experienced. Sure, sure. And I get that it's a totally different world now than it was then, but it's so hard to imagine. Like, I saw that clip of, like, Austin and Pentagon, and what, like, Austin calls him chubby, and Pentagon's, like, wearing his shirt. You would have never... In yeah. your life, seeing Steve Austin do that when he was hot, you know, I, I don't care who the hell, what beloved figure from the past it was. I don't yeah. care if it was Steve Austin's personal hero. He <laughs> wouldn't have been in that scene. He never would have done. We also don't know who Pentagon wants to be, though, so. No, that's true. Oh, don't say that, because now, now I'm afraid that he'll just be, this is what he wants to be. He wants yeah. to be like the Young Bucks 2.0, and he'll just break my fucking hard yes. if that's true and you know whatever like great for him i guess if that's what he want to do but that that would hurt me a lot if that were not true. good for business either buddy oh man no no god you know like you said he, he becomes just another guy and there are guys that are better at him better than him at being just that guy and yeah. so i would implore him to think hard about that Absolutely. and okay so last thing is you've also unearthed another fear that i have is okay what if everyone in the whole company, this goes back to being independent. What if they all go out there and try to be cool and he, like like mm. hip heels or mm-hmm. you know yeah that young oh, buck. Yes, thank you. I'm so glad you said that. That's my notes too, and I almost just overlooked it. Um, but uh, yeah, holy crap! Uh, leave everyone to their own devices, and guess what? Everyone wants to be the star then, and that's great, I guess, in that everyone is trying really hard. But then you have nobody who is, like, playing the support role. You have nobody 
who is uh, playing the roles that are necessary for storylines to get over. Um, and I'm not saying there would be like no direction in the company because I think that's impossible uh, for that really to happen. But yeah, I don't know. You cannot just take PWG and put it on um, a show like this or else PWG would have made it to this point a long time ago. You know, honestly, uh, yes. you need something um, that is more grounded, that is more collaborative, that is more cooperative. Uh, you need to be, you need someone to be able to come to a guy and say, Hey, I know you can do all of these things. Here's what I need you to do tonight. And it is not all of these things. It is one thing in particular, or it is, it is to make the other guy look good. You know, um, tonight you're not the star, you know, maybe you will be in the future. Um, but yeah, I don't think you can come out and just have every guy trying to be the star of the show in every single match because it's not going to work. I, I just don't think that will work especially week to week. I don't think that can happen. This is a very real WCW problem, too, because I got this idea from Chris Jericho a long time ago. Um, it's very interesting. Bischoff does a four-hour show on 80, 83 weeks about Chris Jericho and WCW, and Jericho does a whole show responding to Bischoff's claims uh, okay. from that. And one thing Jericho talked about was the horror. And we, we nailed Jericho for like a year in WCW, but he thought of the horror of being a white meat baby face <laughs> in a time where oh. the heels are cool. Like everybody loves the NWO and they think the NWO is honest and authentic. And here comes this guy who has no motivations, <laughs> no authenticity. And a very real problem is being the elite, that crew, you know, they have the same kind of, um, they have the same kind of vibe, the DX, the click, the NWO, you know, and if I'm out there trying to do my own thing, like, I'm going to know, like, fans are going to buy Cody's merchandise or they're going to buy Young Buck merchandise unless I kind of act the same way and I build my own brand. And awesome building your own brand, but if everybody's building a all-elite vibe brand, you don't have a wrestling company. Yeah, imagine a WCW where every wrestler was doing, like, the Wolfpack symbol and yeah. wearing NWO shirts and, you know, holy God, you know, it's, it can't, yeah. it can't it's, be It's like called um, NWO Sold Out. Yep, and it's universally hated, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that's, that's a big concern that we need to monitor as things go along. For sure, absolutely, oh. yeah. Like I said, it's awesome that you have minimal writers, that wrestlers get over on their own merit, but take that lesson then from the 80s of the WWF because there's a tremendous amount of production there. And it's not micromanaging and it's not writing out the words for the people, but it is saying, okay, you know, these are your talents. I want to see you here. I want yes. to see you in service of this storyline, you know, so you need direction. Uh, and that's different, I think, than micromanaging or trying to write out every word, you know. So uh, hit that balance, please. Um, and for the love of God, get yourself a mean Gene Okerlund, you know, rest in peace. We need somebody like him in that moment. Because what you'll find is a lot of these guys, as great as they are in the ring, and this I think is true in WWE at the moment as well, they cannot be out there doing long promos. And like you said, I don't think I even want to see the same kind of long promos that we've seen for the past 20 years. So, man... If you are looking at that period and thinking we want we want to have some things from there, bring back those short little promos. Bring back a guy to direct that traffic that we can all freaking love for the next uh, you know forty years, like we did Gene Okerlund. That that's like a one of a kind talent. But there are people like that out there, and I, I want to see something like that. So that's another thing I want to see come along. I agree with that a million percent. I had not even thought of that, but 
when Gene Arkland would call you out, too, it's because you were on the schedule. And if you interrupt, it's clear you're interrupting. And, like, I, I don't want to keep knocking WWE, but, you know, sorry. Um, <laughs> they, they have to be part of the conversation. They have know, to be part of the conversation. But there it is. It's our is is everything our imagination has formed, especially if you watch it the last twenty years. You know that is the normative. And but if you got just a microphone laying somewhere and people come out and they do it, and anyone can come out all the time. Like I don't understand if I was a mid card or low card guy, every time they could do their first segment, like whether it's John Cena, whether it's Brock Lesnar, I would come down and interrupt them. Cause I'd be, I would be putting a match with them. Like why the hell are you sitting in the back? Not you know, there's no schedule. You can come out and they're gonna put you in the match if you do it. Right, like, yeah, why doesn't yeah. the whole fucking locker room not come out in the first segment? Because then you would be in the main event. Because what it takes to be in the main event is to be the guy who comes down and interrupts the first segment. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, give, that, yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. I just want, like, I am, if you know me and you spend time with me, I am the least structured person in the world. <laughs> I need some structure in some areas of a wrestling profession. Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely essential. Um, you know, and I've loved... I loved, uh, like, I, I was sort of a little down on PWG before. I like PWG. You know, it's fun. It's cutting edge. Like, there's nothing quite exactly like it. But I just don't think, and even they on some production, you know, they'll do the occasional storyline. They, they, the Young Bucks kind of built their characters there. And, you know, they might not be characters in the traditional sense, but uh, they are well-established. Like, you understand them. You kind of know who they are, where they're coming from. So, yeah, no, I, you got to have something, absolutely. And I think uh, hitting the right balance is going to be really key for uh, for AEW. Absolutely. And speaking of hitting the right balance, there's no man who strives to do that more than a man named Chris Jericho. Like Cody Rhodes, they both, I think something they have going for them is they play politics well. They're always, Cody Rhodes will always say that WWE has nothing against WWE. He's not competing with WWE. But then he'll make comments like, you know, we all we all love the attitude era or when WWE was at its height in the 80s, you know, but he's never directly insulting and Jericho is another man who's always it seems like trying to please the world around him so um I think in the history of talk is Jericho he's never done he says he's never done an episode just by himself until now but he did one uh recently where he talked about his relationship with WWE how he every step he's taken he has consulted Vince McMahon he almost went back to WWE he almost went to TNA and then he talks about uh AEW going forward uh, we we listened to some of that, and we're going to talk a little bit simply up front, Miss Fan. What is the magnitude of Chris Jericho to AEW? Um, yeah, that's a very interesting question. I think uh, the way when you sent me the message about what we were going to talk about, um, you mentioned. Uh, Jericho as Hogan in 1994, which I right. think he's... Uh, made that's a Jericho answer. quote. Yeah, that's a Jericho quote. Um, <laughs> so, up front, yeah, that was the first thing that jumped out to me. And I have to admit, it felt a little bit ridiculous on uh, the surface of it. You know, I'm a very big Chris Jericho fan in general. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Hogan in 94, I mean, that's uh, that's that's one of the biggest impacts that's ever been kind of in wrestling history. Um, Jericho, uh, as big as he was, I don't know, he'd more like maybe if Ted DiBiase had come over to wrestle oh, wow. or something, you know. I don't, I don't, I knew you were going to say that, but I love Ted DiBiase, and Ted DiBiase was a huge part of that era. He made a minute WrestleManias, he was on the shortlist wow. to be champion. No, this is not. I I, uh, I don't mean it as a slam uh, in the way it maybe seems like. He uh, did go to WCW. So, 
he did, uh, not to wrestle, and after Hogan, so it kind of didn't matter anymore, but, um, uh, all right, putting that aside, uh, Jericho is Hogan, it does feel overblown, but as the more I thought about it, the more it felt like something Jericho might say, just to create the buzz to get that yeah. reaction, because, uh, Jericho, um, is the type, I think, who is pretty much always working in everything he does, and, uh, he's not going to say something, um, just kind of off the cuff, he's going to say something that's going to create buzz is going to create attention, you know, and uh, I don't know if he really feels that way or not. Maybe I'm underestimating the impact of Chris Jericho. Uh, there is no doubt he caused some very good buzz for New Japan coming in. Uh, it is a verifiable fact that subscriptions went up uh, 40% for New Japan World in advance of Wrestle Kingdom 12. I don't know if that was just because of Jericho, but I'm sure he did have some impact. Um uh, I, I was going to say, a more realistic comparison, I think, to what Chris Jericho might be able to do in uh, in AEW. Uh, you mentioned Ricky Steamboat in 92 to 94, and I really like that because I think uh, there's a lot of truth to that. I think he can work with a lot of young people and have a tremendously good influence. He can make a big impact just coming in. Let us never forget uh, he's just a man coming in in that tag team match yeah. in 1991. I think uh, maybe had a little feeling of that at the rally. Because it is, it's huge that Jericho's working for anyone other than WWE uh, in America. A lot of yeah. people probably would have bet a lot of money that he never would have done that. Um, so that's very cool. Uh, I'm also brought to mind of Terry Funk in ECW mm. in like 1997. Yeah. Um, I think he, I'm not even going to say he maybe has more in the tank, because Funk had a surprising amount in the tank at that time. But uh, he's a guy who's going to bring credibility is going to bring a veteran presence who I think is going to be very willing to get over others and to get their acts over uh, in a meaningful way, not just lose matches to them, but make them feel more important than they did before. Uh, and I think uh, there's really hardly anyone better than you can be than Terry Funk in ECW. If you are an older talent, um, I, I consider that to be a super high uh, compliment, uh, and I hope it will be taken that way as well. I think it's a very big net positive overall. I have not necessarily loved. Um, I've said, uh, I've called him midlife crisis juggalo Jericho <coughs> at okay. times. Um, but uh, I do think he has adapted his style in the ring well, and it's something he can do for several more years, potentially. Um and uh, listening to the parts of the show that you sent to me, uh, a lot of things he says are in line with what I want to see. I think he's got a good mind for business. I've read uh, at least one of his books, and uh, he impressed me there as well. Um, yeah, so I think uh, it's going to be a lot of positive stuff overall. I won't go to Hogan in 94. Uh, and I'm sorry if I slammed him too hard there. I just don't see it quite that much. But uh, I don't think he does either, and I think he's going to bring uh, a huge value in his own way. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because I do think the claims, whether he's working people or whether he's trying to hype it up, mm -hmm. is the very much. He's not saying Hogan is a throwaway in that he is claiming that he is in AEW getting the money that he's getting in order to open the doors for AEW. Right. And so here's where I will go. And I don't know this. I This is one that I will speak words with no uh, confidence because... This is, I don't know what he means to the world right. in and out of wrestling. I'm, I'm too out of the game in that area to know. But what I will say is I think he does potentially meet the fresh criteria that the AEW wants because 
he is constantly reinventing himself. And Jericho in WCW is not Y2J. Y2J is not Jericho in the suit. Jericho in the suit is not Jericho the list. Jericho the list is not Jericho in New Japan Pro Wrestling. True. So he can, he needs to creatively do something now that not only appeals to himself and the fans, but that complements AEW and supports their roster. But I don't know because Eric Bischoff too in '83 we talked about he didn't really care all the time about what the fan response was to Hogan in the arena because what what people didn't see is Hogan was opening so many doors so many ads so much money that you know bigger things were happening that wrestling fans may not think about and I do think Jericho is claiming he's that guy and I don't necessarily believe that and what I've asked both of us <laughs> to do is make a list from the most important to the least. One to three of um, why it is that AEW may get a TV deal. Mm. And so on the table, we had All In, we had Tony Khan, and we have Chris Jericho. So how would you order those? Well, I have to say very honestly, um, you know, it sort of goes against my wrestling purist instinct. But I think Tony Khan is probably the most important thing Mm -hmm. because without him, I don't think we're talking TV I don't think we're talking uh, something on this level. I don't think we're signing the kind of people that they are signing in today's environment. You know, we're talking about like a PWG offshoot uh, at best, I honestly feel. You know, something you can uh, sign up for a pivot share, you know, some online streaming service for. Uh, And that's not to undersell what Cody and the Bucks have been able to do. It's just kind of a fact that uh, you need so much money to make something like this work now, you know, and uh, that's just kind of the bare fact of it, I think. Um, it takes money to compete first and foremost, not quality, and that's sort of a sad thing, I think, but uh, I also think it's true. Um, I would honestly put All In second because that's where they proved their potential. That is what I think in a big way kicked off a lot of uh, the competition in signing people up that we have seen recently, because before then, you know, there was definitely some growing interest, things were more competitive, NXT kind of driven, some of that, but still nobody was really thinking, oh, well, there could be like a big TV deal for a non-WWE company at some point. Nobody really thought that. People didn't even think they were going to sell out all in. You know, a lot of people did it. They thought, oh, well, you know, they'll get some people and they'll have to give away some tickets and maybe they'll get the butts in the building and maybe they'll lie about it. But no, they got it easily uh, and they Mm -hmm. proved like, uh, inarguably, that there is this big demand there, and I think uh, that was a huge part of it. Um, to me, as far as that list goes, Chris Jericho is kind of a distant third. Uh, he is very significant in his own way, but I think people were already really drawn to the way Cody and the Young Bucks have succeeded uh, on their own terms, even before anybody knew Jericho was going to get involved. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I would put it. Um that maybe, I don't know if it undersells what Jericho is doing. I, I heard on his podcast also, he's like, oh, TV executives hear Chris Jericho's on, and they then they're mm-hmm. interested. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if I believe that either necessarily. That's a theory. <laughs> That's a big theory, because uh, I've, I've been reassessing what people outside of wrestling know about wrestling recently, because I was talking to someone um, who doesn't know about wrestling, who doesn't really know anything, Um and uh, I mentioned Steve Austin, and they had no idea who that wow. was. 
Wow. I, I thought they were. I thought if there were three names people knew, it would have been Hogan, Rock, and Austin. And you know, most people, the truth is, they don't even know Austin. So I think being big in the Attitude Era doesn't mean anything necessarily to anybody yeah. who's outside the wrestling bubble. Um, people know Hogan, people know The Rock, and I think that's about as far as it goes. I would. I would be interested in how many people know The Rock, but. Just at maximum, no. Yeah. Oh, he he was a wrestler, wasn't he, or something like that? Exactly, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. So that even cements, I have Jericho at a far, far, far away third. Okay, all right. I don't think it hurts at all to be able to say we have Chris Jericho, who, and it may fill in the blanks for them, who did was in WWE and did this, this, and this. Right. You know, I don't think that hurts. But I think if it was Randy Orton or Seth Rollins or Finn Balor or AJ Styles, they would just assume it'd be anybody. They just want to say we have this big WWE guy who are consistent WWE guy or top WWE guy. Right. I don't think, yeah. I don't think they would care who it was. So I, I will put Tony Khan at number two, okay. but I think he might be the most important part of it because this is a man he, who owns a football team with his family. It's a man who's got the money. It's a man who I think will bring the credibility uh, to the TV deal happening. But I just want to praise All In because I don't know that Tony Khan does this without All In existing first. That's a good point. And it's kind of a chicken egg. It is. <laughs> and I only put it that way to say, let us not forget how fucking miraculous this thing really is. Yes. And the guts that it took because they could have just as easily sold 3,000 tickets or 2,000 tickets. And my God, you think anybody would be praising them or calling them or putting them up on a pedestal? They could have lost credibility and finances, and face, and just hope that WWE assigned them to a back to their old deal and put them back in the mid-card and put face paint back on them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's another comparison you can make to the first WrestleMania, because if it had not succeeded, mm. it wouldn't have ruined Vince McMahon, but he would have had to definitely dial back what he was doing, um, and I think uh, the same would have been true for Cody and the Bucks. They would have had to pull back, reassess, and yeah, like you said, who knows what might have happened after that, uh, but it wasn't. It was a tremendous success, and uh, I'm very glad for it. And I do think it's true. People kind of started to take that as a matter of course. Like, uh, you know, I, I wonder if the long-term narrative will be, oh, well, of course they did this. It's amazing. Nobody did it sooner. But, man, coming up to it, it was, like, unthinkable. People people thought they were nuts, for sure. Yeah. So then um, Jericho runs down kind of the roster as it exists. Let's play a, let's play a short game, uh, Ms. Fan. Okay. Where I name wrestlers. And you tell me in one or two sentences the first thing that pops in your head about these people. Okay. So, Cody Rhodes. Um, let's see. I think, like you said, uh, right now people are not even thinking about Cody, the wrestler. Um, there's been a lot of mixed opinion on that. Uh, personally, I'm a big fan of Cody, the wrestler. But, yeah, right now, really what he is is just kind of the symbol of all of this. I think even more than the Young Bucks. Um, he's the guy who's put his face on a lot of this. He's the son of Dusty Rhodes. He's made those connections for people. And uh, he's sort of the godfather of all this. And I'm I'm really enjoying that right now. Nice. And that, that's so weird how, like, Cody Rhodes is the youngest of the Rhodes. He's the baby. He's the <laughs> child. And now he's the godfather. You know, it's weird the moves you can make in life that flip your narrative in a way that it, it in, no, in no other way would be flipped right now. That's okay. Cute. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got. Who's next? Okay. Young Bucks. <laughs> um, the Young Bucks are not really for me as far as they are wrestlers. There's been a lot of talk about how 
innovative they are, how they've really driven a lot of the attention. Um, and uh, as much as I don't really enjoy their matches that much, I hugely respect their hustle, their willingness to succeed on their own terms. I love that uh, they sort of washed out of TNA at the start of the decade. They were possibly going to go to WWE, but there was the whole baloney of, oh, they didn't shake Booker T's hand, <laughs> so they're they're too disrespectful. They can't be in WWE, so, you know, whatever. It's the great story that one of them tells, I forget, uh, they couldn't afford, like, a sandwich or something. Mm. They had to get, like, a loan from the other one just to buy a sandwich, and they God, said, yeah. we can't be like this. We have to build something on our own um, that is going to be successful. And, you know, they did what they said they were going to do. And I will always, always, always respect someone who says they're going to do a thing and then sees it all the way through to the end. You know, they've had some luck along the way. They've had some help, but they did it on their own terms. And I couldn't respect that more. I'm hugely impressed with what they have done, even if they are uh, not really people I seek out to watch in their wrestling. Well said. I think we're on the same page on both notes there. Hangman Page. Um, Chris Jericho in the clip uh, talked very positively about Adam Page and uh, how he's the potential to be a big star. And I'll just say, I think he could be absolutely right. Uh, I've liked Adam Page every time I've seen him quite a lot. Uh, his match with Joey Janelli was my favorite in-ring performance uh, at All In, uh, at least on the main card. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I would really like to see what comes of him, because he's a guy, I think, who really would have just been lost in the crowd in WWE, and here he has a chance to really be something different. I will give you a layup here. SCU. <laughs> That's the layup? Uh, for, for you, I think it would be. Maybe okay, well, yes. I don't know if you... Uh, well, I do like SCU a lot, if that's what you're uh, getting yes. at. Um, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian kind of reinvented themselves about five or six years ago, um, going from sort of generic, uh, good-in-the-ring guys without much personality to really having a lot of personality, and I think it's been hugely to their benefit. Uh, I'm a fan of Scorpio Sky as well. I think they've worked well together as far as I've seen um, and I actually watched some Ring of Honor, unlike Chris Jericho, apparently, so I mm. should know who they are, so good, <laughs> good on them. Yeah, he did not know Scorpio, but this is another another uh, praise of Cody Rhodes. Uh, Jericho did not know who Scorpio Sky was, and he gets a call from Cody Rhodes saying, you need to put Scorpio Sky on your cruise. Yeah, and now Jericho likes uh, Scorpio Sky, so there you go. No, yeah. it's, it's great. Uh, Cody's surrounding himself with a lot of talented people, and uh, and that's, I think, very important. Joey Janela. Joey Janela is, I think, uh, in a weird way, one of the most important names on this list because I think more than anybody besides Cody and the Young Bucks, he has been a huge driving force in uh, creating more interest in independent wrestling. And he's sort of done it with even less of a platform than they have. Uh, I really think you can't underestimate how unlikely the success of like the uh, Joey Janela Spring Break events over WrestleMania weekend is done. Mm. Um, I can't remember exactly, but they were selling competitively with products on television, like the Ring of Honor stuff. Like wow. they, you know, they they were easily selling out what their uh, what their goals were. Um, uh, and uh, beyond just his individual talents in the ring, which I think are a little hit or miss, to be perfectly honest, but uh, he has this incredible mind for promotion for uh, bringing on something super creative. Um, if we do an episode 
talking about Joey Janela some more. I'll show you some of like the promotional videos he's done for the shows he's promoted Please and do. how just inventive and incredible they are and how much they've drummed up interest in these weird matches that people never even thought uh, that they wanted to see. How he's brought in guys like Great Sasuke, uh, guys like um, that you wouldn't expect, old luchadors, guys you might know from uh, ECW or WCW whose careers had sort of uh, gone away. You know, um, I, I don't know how much you know about this, but Pierre Carl Ouellet, um, you know, used to be one of the Quebecers, has really become a force coming back. And Joey Janela is one of the guys who said, hey, this guy that no one is talking about anymore, he's making this incredible comeback. And now everybody loves the guy, you know. So uh, I'm sorry, I've gone way over my couple of sentences, I'm sure. Yeah, but Joey Janela reminds me kind of of Chris Jericho in the 90s. Um at least insofar as he's clearly a guy with a great wrestling mind who is just bringing a wealth of ideas to everything he does. And if you uh, unleash him in that direction, I think you have a huge positive force for the promotion. That's interesting. Cause we, we're going to introduce in just a few moments um, a segment called Convince Me, where we will watch at least two matches in a promo of a guy who's on the roster or a gal who's on the roster. But um, I will go ahead and say I was not terribly impressed with Joey Janela in the match and <laughs> watching, watching them go back and forth also was part of what got in my head. What if everyone tries to be like the same person? So. Sure. Sure. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, I said those matches to you without having watched them first, just cause I, you know, I, yeah. I didn't really have um, a chance. Um, and I sort of agree with some of your thoughts. So we'll talk about that. But like I said, I think uh, the creativity of Joey Janela is going to be more important than what he can do in the ring. Uh, although I think he brings something there too, but we'll yeah. talk about that more in a little bit. Well, that's good to know. Jericho calls him a mover and a shaker too. So kind of praising some of the elements you're praising as well. Yeah. And, uh, MJF. Yeah. We're going to talk about a lot of him in a second, but yeah, I've really only seen MJF, MJF a handful of times, uh, but he impressed me immediately with his uh, dedication to actually presenting a character, which I think is lacking in a lot of uh, wrestling today. Um, he's a great promo. He has great presentation. And uh, he clearly really owns his stuff because he's consistently great wherever he shows up. Uh, he's consistently himself. And that, that means a lot to me. Uh, I think he has a huge amount of potential. Excellent. Um, Pac. Pac, uh, I think... Uh, I'm just glad that he's back out in the wild. Uh, it was such a, a lousy situation when he was uh, benched for such a very long time because um, he didn't want to, you know. And some people criticize for him. I guess your mileage may vary. But, yeah, he, he looked at what they were doing with him, and he said, this is not what I want to do. This is not fulfilling to me. You know, That's I am cool. an independent contractor. I'd like to be out of my contract. And to that, they benched him, you know, for ages and ages um, in what was a very lousy move on their part. So I'm glad he's back out. I'm glad he has this buzz. I've already seen him uh, return to Dragon Gate and do awesome things there, defying everyone's expectations because everyone's like, oh, he's got to show up in New Japan. There's no other choice. Guess what? There are a million choices mm -hmm. in 2018, 2019, and Pac is making his own choices, and I, I love that. I love what he's doing. Uh, absolutely. Um, I don't know who the person, if they exist, who's out there saying, you're considered an independent contractor at WWE. 
can move upon in any way they choose at any time, but you, you can't say, I don't want my life to be like this and I want to go do something else. But, <laughs> oh my, do not go looking then for the people, because they're <laughs> out there in, in swarms, sure. unfortunately. This is why I'll do a podcast too, so I can just talk to the microphone <laughs> and you. And, you know. Amen, man. Um, OWE, do you know anything? Anything to say about that? Um, I actually know quite a bit about them, uh, only so much maybe that is relevant here. Um, Jer- Jericho's history on them was very shaky, uh, okay. but I'll just say, yeah, basically they were an offshoot of Dragon Gate, uh, they kind of split off, they've been doing some really interesting things in Japan, they have a lot of popularity over there in some of the smaller promotions, um, and in the ring, yeah, what they can do is very impressive athletically, and I think there's definitely a place for them, uh, and I'm really interested in the partnership. Excellent. Brandy Rhodes. Um, I would like people to stop comparing her to Stephanie McMahon, please. Okay. I get it that she's a woman in like a position of power, and they sort of have a similar role potentially, but just stop, please. I don't, I don't need that. Brandy Rhodes is absolutely her own person. Uh, I like what she contributes. Yeah. I like what she does uh, with Cody on screen, and I think uh, it's clear that she drives both herself and him to kind of accomplish more absolutely. than they would have individually. Uh, I'm very impressed with Brandy Rhodes. As far as kind of the um, energy that she brings, uh, I like it a lot. It's very focused so, and very, um, I like it. Yeah. He's also not the daughter of uh, Cody Rhodes, so yeah, really, <laughs> yes. really like to stop it. Lord of mercy, yeah. Britt Baker. Um, I'm not actually the biggest fan of Britt Baker in the ring, but I do think it's interesting that um, she's very accomplished in her personal life. I believe she has a doctorate. She may be a dentist yeah. or something. I don't know. Like Easily, she could not wrestle, and she would be fine. And she also could have definitely gone to WWE if she had wanted to, because um, uh, I believe she's linked to Adam Cole, and mm. uh, he's, of course, over there, and I think it was only a matter of time before they wanted her. But instead, she decided to come over here, and I think that's cool and interesting. So, you know, good luck to her. You know, uh, she may grow on me in the ring. I've only seen her a handful of times, so we'll see what happens. Was Blanchard in the the four-way match? Tessa Blanchard? Yeah, I believe she was. Um, She is signed to Impact at the moment. Um, I've only seen her a couple of times, but I've been impressed with some of the stuff. She's very impressive, yeah. I like Tessa Blanchard quite a bit. Um, And if they get a chance to get her, they would be foolish not to. So, uh so we'll see if they get the opportunity. Penelope Ford? Um, she is linked to Joey Janela, although I think uh, not romantically anymore, but they sort of have a partnership. Um, I've liked everything I've seen from her. Uh, I'm a big fan. She's very capable. We saw it all in. She can easily do the intergender stuff if they want to explore that at all. You know, they may or may not. Um, I think it's fine either way. Uh, there are pluses and minuses. I think just on her own devices in the women's division, she could be very good. Uh, I hope to see a continued partnership with Joey Janela because I love when people on the roster are linked with each other in ways that are not uh, traditional. So I would love to see something of that as well. Excellent. Those are the um, folks that Jericho runs down. That's also just a small way of teasing what we are going to do weekly starting now, which is a segment, as I mentioned, called Convince Me. This will be... For me and the audience, uh, Ms. Fed, do, do you do you record by number every match you watch in a year? Uh, yeah, I pretty much do. Okay, and how how many matches did you watch? You know, in 2018. Oh yeah, I listed every week. Um, I've watched a few more. It's probably close to about 800, uh, 850. 
Okay, that's a, that's a deep fucking wealth of knowledge <laughs> that we have right here on this show. And I'm just going to be honest, a lot of these people I've never seen before. And that means I'm probably not the only one that's never seen them, or I've, or you might have seen them more than me, but you've only, you haven't seen them enough. So each week, we are going to put the spotlight on somebody. And we're going to discuss what we see as their pros, their cons, maybe their ceiling, their floor, their limits, their abilities. And this week, we are kicking it off, I think, appropriately with one of the best young talents in the business in M. J. F. Mm. Yeah, 22 years old. Um, really a very recent discovery, I think, on the uh, independent scene. Uh, I guess he would have to be at that age. Yeah. But um, I think it's interesting because he's sort of a byproduct of this big signing push that's been happening in the few years. Because I think, uh, you know, if he'd come up five years ago, it would have taken him a lot longer to become noticed. But things are moving so fast and so competitive for good talent right now, that he's sort of jumped uh, ahead to a, a high place in the line. But I think he also deserves it. I think he's earned it. He always seems super engaged in his character. He's very smart about how to present himself. Um, in the ring, I think he is not uh, the best I have ever seen, but I think he does very well. And uh, his strengths are definitely going to be in the character department, the promo department, and I think you need guys like that. Kind of more than anything, because athletic guys, you know, it's great to have really good athletic guys, but they're, I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen, but you can get them if you know where to look, you know, uh, pretty much always. Um, but character guys, that's that's a little harder. I think that's a more um, hard-to-find skill set sometimes. I think he's going to bring a lot in that department. That, um, that defines my whole experience watching this in ways that I hadn't thought about because I am I enjoy a great match. I enjoy athleticism, I enjoy all the things physically that can be done in pro wrestling, but I am first and foremost a character uh guy, a promo guy, uh make me care about you and I can be impressed with you by what you do in the ring. I don't know if I can care about you simply by what you do in the ring and I stopped watching WCW, I've said this, if you listen to the Legacy Series, well before it went off the air. I was done with it. It betrayed me. It was I was done with it before it was, you know, whatever. But when I got try to get back into wrestling, I wanted to be a WWE fan. I wanted to be a wrestling fan. But that was the time that everybody was bragging about the Dudleys and the Hardys and the Edge and Christian. And so the first thing I watched, I, I was at my brother's apartment. I hadn't watched wrestling four or five years. And I tried to watch a DVD, I think, set with maybe Edge and Christian and... The Hardys and something happened that day that has been happening to me for 20 years. And I don't know if it's something, if it's a generational thing or if it's booking guys not according to their personality. But all of a sudden, and I'd never really experienced this in all the years I watched wrestling, I didn't feel like I was watching people in character. I felt like I was watching them strive to play a character. And like their voices would be shaking. Like I, it's almost like I didn't hear the words they were saying. I hear this. I'm trying to be a really bad person, and, and I'm saying a really bad thing. And this is what is how you're supposed to feel. And I felt like it's more of a telling instead of a showing. Right. And man, MJF. I before before Miss Van sent me, and this is what we're talking about: Joey Janela versus MJF, and Jim MJF versus Fred Yehi. Yeah. The two announcers said it differently in MLW. Tony and <laughs> I believe it's Yehi. <laughs> okay, Yehi. So 
But I listened to I went to bed the night before listening to a podcast uh, with Sam Roberts and M- MJF and MJF is in character and he's so fucking in character like he he is so good and so witty and so on point and I just went to bed half listening to it just happy because like that's what I need to know more than anything can you do this can you convince me like Steve Carell I know season one of The Office is is a little. I because I'm probably opposite of a lot of people. A lot of people probably like just the. I, I think maybe it'd be it's more like the British Office if it's less story driven, but like season one's like six episodes and I couldn't really. The Michael Scott character and it was a consistent thing. I was watching it. I was like, fuck, like, like, as a highly sensitive person, <laughs> I can't sit through all the episodes of The Office because I know what Michael's got in his head. And he thinks it's going to go well. He's about to go out into the office and he's about to behave a certain way. I'm like, oh, my God, don't do this to us. I cannot sit here and watch you do this thing because it's not going to turn out. Like, I am there and he's Michael Scott. And I want the same thing from wrestling. I want this guy to be so arrogant that even if I like him at times, I might hate him. And uh, we, we get a football football promo, which we'll talk about. And it's very um, Johnny Menzel slash Baker Mayfield, uh, very arrogant young man that – has a little bit of, of an entitlement problem, which in this generation and how they look at that and with the culture and how they view that, this guy could be a, a, a really hot heel. So uh, the most impressive thing to me is that he has a mind for the business. He knows what his character is, and he performs his character 100% in real time, not knowing everything that's going to be said. Because Sam Roberts is just kicking shit back and forth with him. He doesn't know what Sam Roberts is going to say, and he just he's spot on every time. So I am deeply impressed with the human being which makes everything else more possible going forward. Yeah, no, I absolutely um, agree with all that. Uh, MGF has impressed me every time I've seen him. And also, I don't think I've ever seen him not be in character, quote-unquote. Um, and I know there are different schools of thought about, like, should wrestlers have to be in character at all times? But, man, I think it helps a lot if you can keep at least some aspect of who you're trying to present yourself as. At all times, you know, and uh, I think he's proven himself to be great at that. Very consistent presentation, uh, and I think that's a big strength for him. And and they absolutely don't have to be. You know, they can do right. what they want to do. But then this is where you get a Pentagon in that segment with Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, that uh, video. Right. It can change yeah. perception, you know, fair or not, it can. So. Yes, yeah, it's interesting. Um, first match, I didn't really know what was going on in the arena. Like, the little building so small that the fans... Like I really don't, I don't care about the, the the fans' commentary. Like the only thing I hated about being at All In is like I was sitting next to a guy who who fancied himself very funny, and like he would say these lines, and he's looking at me. I, I'm his his one person audience for all the lines, oh, no. No, and it's just, it gets uncomfortable. I've so I didn't know there. at first. I thought Joey Janela was a heel just because like you know he has a challenge, and then when MJF came out, I was like, oh my god, he's a babyface, and then I was like, no, he's not a babyface, but. Uh, Joey Janela, I think, might be the babyface. If there's such thing as heels and babyfaces here, and <laughs> you know, and then they're talking to the fans for a really long time, and then they wrestle a match, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was good-ish to me. It was somewhere between okay and good and good, somewhere in that park for me. So, mm. no, fair enough. Um, like I said, these matches I sent out um, kind of sight unseen. Um, and uh, I think that's okay because uh, you're going to get people in all sorts of environments doing all sorts of things. Yeah. And, you know, it's important to see not necessarily just their all-time best stuff, um, but kind of all their stuff, you know, to sort of get 
an idea of what might they do in this situation, you know, with this kind of production, all this different stuff. Um, so, yeah, this is from uh, 2016. Uh, it is from CZW. Uh, MJF, just 20 years old at the time, which is wow. maybe just 19, actually. Okay, it's a better match. Than I, I already give it more. <laughs> right, yeah, no, very impressive, I think, just for that alone. Um, but, yeah, uh, I agree. Um, the crowd interaction stuff doesn't come across on camera it can be fun in person it can also be very annoying i've been in your <laughs> shoes where there's some guy who thinks he's an amazing comedian and everyone yeah. just wants him to shut up uh it's an unfortunate uh pitfall of some and sometimes there's a funny guy but he's never the one sitting next to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure for sure um uh yeah so there was some good stuff in this i thought they worked uh some of it I really like, and I thought we saw a lot in this match, and uh, in another match that I've seen of MJF, he's really willing to um, show ass, if you know what I mean mm -hmm. by that. He is really willing to uh, look foolish when needed. He is not out there just trying to be cool or get over with crazy moves. He is so dedicated to the character in really a very old school way, I think. Like, um, <laughs> you groaned when I said Ted DiBiase earlier, but one of the reasons he was one of the biggest stars of his era is because he had both aspects of that. He could be this amazing, like, cocky, arrogant character that you could hate, and then when the chips were down, he would, like, bounce around the ring, he would get beat up by the right guy, you know, and uh, he would do it when it mattered, uh, and in a way that, you know, you could still respect him the next day, but you were, like, just loving that he got beat up at the time. So uh, I, I really want to use that in a positive context. I think MJF has a lot of, uh, of that kind of old-school feeling where he can be that great heel and that character, but uh, he doesn't have to be cool. He can just yeah. uh, get his ass kicked at yeah. the right moment, and uh, and it really works well for him. Um, yeah, as far as the match goes, I agree it was good-ish. It was definitely not the greatest match I've seen from either guy. One thing that will be a little bit of barrier, I think, for the Convince Me segments is a lot of times their best stuff is going to be behind a paywall, um, yeah. and that's, uh, that's just the reality of it, and I don't blame them. That's how they make money on the independent scene, uh, so we kind of got to go with what's free sometimes, but yeah, I still think you get an interesting idea. Like I said, just 19 years old. There's definitely some good stuff in the match, and uh, yeah, I'm glad that we got a chance to check it out. And I don't know if I want, want their best stuff necessarily, because you're yeah. not going to see that every night. Absolutely, yeah, yeah for sure. And I, I in no way said Joey Janela gave me a James Storm beats the fabulous free birds vibe, so that did not happen. Uh, <laughs> That's good. That's very good. Yeah, Janela, um, I think what we'll find if we focus on Janela is that uh, he does a lot of his stuff in kind of a hardcore environment. Uh, I compared him a little to Chris Jericho in terms of his creativity, but he's really almost a little bit more like Sabu in the ring mm. insofar as he uh, – I won't say he needs that environment to do well, but it's kind of like where he excels. He, he does a lot of stuff there, and I think that's more what we saw it all in. Um, so, yeah, this uh, this match was really, you know, something for Jella, Janela to not kill himself for one night and kind of do some character stuff with MJF, and uh, I think it did the job it needed to. Um, although, yeah, some of it was definitely better in person, I think, than on camera. There was a moment I really liked. I don't know if it was a tombstone or something. It was some kind of big power move mm -hmm. with the camera just hardcore on the face of Joey Janela after delivering it. Like he's just, you know, beasting out. And then like in a less than a split second, 
uh, from the mat. Um, MJF catches him in an arm bar, and it just comes out of nowhere, and I thought it was kind of well done. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely some good stuff in there uh, as far as the in-ring action goes. Um, I will say this is something that um, I'm afraid we will see. I hope we don't too much, but uh, there's definitely a trope in American independent wrestling where you have to present both guys as being really even all the yeah. time like they may they'll do like the same move back uh-huh. and forth a bunch of times or they'll knock each other out at exactly the same moment uh-huh. i would really love to see that not happen except maybe like in really rare situations because when it happens with everyone that just means nobody is better than anyone yes. else and that is exactly the problem in a different way you see in wwe because there it's all about the 50 50 wins and losses and you get the same problem, I think, if everyone is doing the same move at the same time and everyone's falling over at the same time. And, you know, I think that's counterproductive if you do it more than just a very little bit. I agree a million percent. Um, if you have a top 10, then just do 1A to 1J because they're all really <laughs> the same. You know, right. who cares? And that's, just, that's the thing about every – do whatever the hell you want to do, but do it when it makes sense. Right. Yeah, you know, that's what, nothing's going to make me check out of any of these products – more so than when I know the moment, like, okay, this is the second where they do this, and after that they're going to do this, and it might be two different people, then they're going to do this. You know, that was never that was never how it, how it went when, like, promotions are really, like, jumping off the page at you. Right. Yeah. Okay, so um, when was the MLW match with um, Fred Yehai? Uh That was, I think, April of 2018, so that's... Uh... Relatively recent, less than a year ago. Okay, because the first thing I noticed was MJF has a completely different body type in the second match than he had in first. <laughs> yep, yep. So Three years older, definitely has uh, work to develop himself more. Also, uh, saw him here with the scarf, which is yes. very much signature to him now, and uh, I don't think he had it before. This is also when he became uh, Friedman instead of Feinstein. He had a bit of a name change for the F part of his name, so that's interesting, I thought. I will also say this. There are going to be times on the show, and I will say it up front, that I might not particularly like something or I might learn to like it, but I get why people like it. So mm-hmm. I think I, I, I'm just realizing right now that I watched um, Hangman Page versus Joey Janela. So I have seen Joey. I saw Joey Janela at All In, and I'm yep. just realizing that right now. And <laughs> it's that a was a match me, I think a lot. There's a lot of names to keep track of in independent wrestling, so yes. there's no, no problem with that. <laughs> It's just it's a match that a lot of people loved, and I don't like. It didn't do that much for me, and I don't know why, because they did a lot of really cool shit in the match, and they were trying hard, and it got a good response, and I don't know why. Like sometimes you cannot say why you're either captivated in a moment or you're not. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I'm hoping that these guys, like like you said, Jericho put Hangman Page over big time, and I'm hoping I'll feel that way, and even Joey Janela, I hope I feel that way, but for whatever reason. I think partly might be just unfamiliar because I didn't know either of them, and they kind of, from I was, you know, from where I was in the building, they're like, okay, two guys that kind of remind me of each other, you know, <laughs> doing doing things. Right. I mean, uh, I know your type. You're not invested in the Joey Ryan murder storyline. You know, that's yeah. not important to you. It's just, uh, I get it. You know, you were there for sort of different things, so uh, it didn't have the same impact on you. I get it. You know, it's different for different people. I think. That was what we we try, and I hope that our listeners. Um, agree with this but what we try to do is acknowledge you know these things in ourselves because i've said this a million times i'll probably say it again i left because that went on for so long i that was my merchandise moment it was that match and but when i came back and the joey ryan stuff was happening 
like I saw people laughing and reacting just as much as any top moment on the show. So like while I was not even watching, I was waiting for it to end. Like I stopped and I was I was watching the audience and I was impressed by the audience reaction. So right. mm-hmm. that's not nothing. Okay, so I, I like this match better partly because it's just you know it's be, it's a better produced you know much better yeah and you know it's weird and interesting to listen to Tony Schiavone uh, you know <laughs> call the, the oh, guy. So that was fun. I'm telling you, watch watch MLW if you don't because got it. Every time I've watched it, I've been impressed. It's very impressive, and I'm very sad that uh, I feel like it's already started. They're just going to get strip-mined by people with more money and more motivation to sign people. They've already lost people just by the handful over a handful um, to different people. They were bringing in uh, uh, guys like PCO, uh, Brody King, I think, um, uh, Rush from CMLL. All those guys signed off to... um, Bring about yeah, yeah. Um, people being signed off to AEW. Not clear if they can keep working with MLW yet. Um, you know, people in WWE is constantly happening. So um, I'm very sad, and I hope they come out all right in the end. And I have a feeling they won't, which is uh, terrible. But uh, I'm, I'm hopeful though that they'll stick around for quite a while and do well and surprise me with uh, with how healthy they remain. I think they've only, at least according to the reports, they've only recently re-signed the new Heart Foundation. I believe so, yeah. I'm not actually real familiar with that act yet, so I have to look at that some more, for sure. I've, I've heard yeah. good things. I was thinking, in a perfect world, where Pentagon is the Pentagon we like, mm-hmm. and you're booking him in the way that, to me, he should be booked, would it not be interesting to have that Pentagon in an angle with Brian Pillman Jr.? Mm. Yeah, I mean, if he could bring some of the stuff his father did, then uh, I think there's a lot of potential there. Because what Pillman had, um, I, I don't even love a lot of the loose cannon stuff. I've talked about that before. But uh, he brought a certain aura and energy with him. And I think you're right. That could clash very well with the right kind of uh, Pentagon presentation. I haven't seen Pillman Jr. a lot, but like he's at ringside for the Teddy Hart match. And he's wearing like a robe that looks more like a bathrobe. And he's holding something and he's like jumping around, you know. <laughs> And he's got a really good look, and so I think there was that potential. And I just wish people would tap into things like that because, yeah. you know, you got two psychological dudes potentially, but instead, you know, you got a split crowd between Teddy Hart and um, and that does, this again goes to the evenness. It is like they are trying their damnedest to have as even a match and as even a response as you can have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, now you planted that in my head, I will be looking for that. So, because Pentagon dominates and it looks like he's just going to win easily. And then it's just not his turn anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so. this, I think is where it's going to be important that um, Cody and the young bucks, they can be bosses to a certain extent, yeah. because, you know, I get why these people are trying to be even, because then you got to work with that person the next night in a different environment and you mm. kind of got to have their back and they got to have yours and nobody can be out there kind of like to make each other look bad or you're going to be out uh, of the fraternity, you know, cause these guys kind of have to stick together in their own ways. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's going to work uh, the same way in a weekly product. And um, you know, I don't want to see it happen that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noted is that MJF takes up many wrestling tropes that I've seen before but he himself does not remind me of anyone I've seen before. 
He reminds me of, and I don't know what your reaction to this will be, um, he reminds me of EC3 a little bit. Um, Interesting. Yeah, because uh, I think just like EC3, I know there was a time you didn't like EC3 very much. I don't know if you ever turned around on him or, or it's still the same, but uh, he had that same kind of like strong engagement, I think, with his character. Uh, it reminded me a little bit in the ring and that he was uh, better with the character moments necessarily than with the straight out wrestling. But uh, there's a lot he can do, a lot of crowd interaction stuff. Both of them are good at that. Uh, one of my favorite bits in this match is at one point MJF like does a front flip or something to escape and then says just to himself, and he's athletic? Oh, my God. Like he's praising <laughs> himself in the middle of the match, um, which is sort of an ECT thing to do. Um, so I say that in a very positive way. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that will be shared or not, but uh, to me that's what stands out. Because, yeah, too, he doesn't remind me too much of, uh, of anyone else that I can think of. <laughs> I got to think about this because, okay, so for me, I was not the biggest fan of EC3, sure. but by by body and size, he just, just looks like a guy that could be in a world title picture instantly almost anywhere. Right, right. Whereas I would desperately, desperately want a TV title style championship max right now to put MJF in. Yeah, I could see um, that. So has there ever been that before? Because to me, I can see the similarities, but the reason I wouldn't have thought of that is because... They exist in such different worlds. Yeah. So it'll be like, who is the TV, like who's um the Hulk Hogan of the TV title, or who is the Randy Savage of the T? You know what I mean? Like it's it's sure. taking two people from two very different worlds, but yeah, their their act is very similar. And we talked about him a lot, but when you say that, it almost reminds me a little bit of Chris Jericho in '98. You know, yeah. having a, a title like that and just owning it as far as like character stuff goes and kind of like making uh, your own world, making your name there. I think a run like that in the right place could do wonders for MJF for sure. I think people need to think like that because I've told the story a million times again, but like when I first started watching WCW, I was young and I still thought the matches I think were um, not predetermined. And I knew in 1991 that Steve Austin should be a world champion, right? Sure. you know? And so, but here's the weird thing. Like, how much better did he get after that? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so you and can MJF, look at it. 22 years old, yeah. Yes. Who knows what could happen to uh, to his body frame, like you said, uh, yeah. to his wrestling skills. I think it's just going to keep going up. 22, unbelievable. So you don't always do someone a favor by hot-shotting them up. Right. You know, let that guy be raw and let him be really fucking good in a division like the TV title, but, you know... Then I, the one thing I love, and in my wildest dreams, as far as you can dream as big as you want, but you also have to take reality into the situation. I see the first big goal of AEW should be be what WCW was when it was on TBS, not right. TNT. Right. Like, and the divisions, like we talked about this in the Legacy series, but what would have happened in 1994? Spring Stampede was one of the best pay-per-views, yep. and you build up Dustin Rhodes, you build up Steve Austin, you know, a bunch of other guys are ready to be world champions. You know, what would that world look like? And I, I know what Steve Austin is TV champion looks like. I know what Steve Austin is U.S. champion, tag champion, WWE champion. They're all different Steve Austins, and they all happen over time. And to me, that is the diagnosis for a guy like MJF is give him a division that's not too big or too small for him. And like you said with Jericho, let him just define himself and let him grow himself. And, you know, you got a guy for the long term. 
I think, in a guy like MJF if you do it right. Yeah, no, I, I, tremendous potential. And that's what I mean when you say you get guys. This is something I didn't even mention, but you get guys, and not only can you present them from the ground up and you can own them and you have guys that are AEW guys and not, you know, recycled WWE guys, yeah. TNA guys, Ring of Honor guys, you know, it's someone who's entirely yours. And also, what kind of loyalty might you inspire in that talent when you take that chance on them, you know, when you put them in a, a big role, bigger than anything they've had before, when you kind of bank in them, when you, if you will, go all in on them, ha, ha, ha. But really, that's what it's all about. It's about betting on yourself. It's about betting on the new talent. Uh, it's about betting on a wrestling world that is different than the one we have now, one that looks different, uh, that has different stars, that has people who are important for different reasons than they have been in the past 15 years. So, yeah, there's a lot that I, I want to see coming out of that, for sure. I look at small things, too. So him coming off so well on the Sam Roberts podcast, and then it's time to do a promo backstage. How many promos backstage do you see a year? And he... Like, he will not stand up with a woman interviewing him. He takes a chair from someone because he's wrestled a match, and he is MJF, and he wants to sit down. And he's just fucking <laughs> sitting down while she's standing up trying to conduct. And moments like that, I'm like, at, like there, that's that's what you need to know, right? Is right there. Yeah. And it's so good. And the, <laughs> telling the fans, you don't know what it's like to go home to a perfect 10 and deal with her attitude. You don't know what it's like to have a subpar limo driver, like, to be in the culture that we're in and the moment that we're in, and he's not only a heel, but he is both insulting the fans and asking them to um, kind of grieve with him over the difficulties of his uh, privileged life. It's like this, this guy has so much upside, and he's so smart. So, yeah, make make him part of your roster for the long term, not the short term. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I think he could be a core member, definitely. What do you think of the, uh, the promo you sent? Uh, I thought it was interesting. It's another thing I said uh, without really necessarily watching it first. Uh, I think it's very early in his career, but again, it impresses me just how great he is with his own presentation. Because this is clearly some just shot like on a phone with like his friend or somebody, you know, um, and he's owning it completely himself. And I think it's good no matter how you look at it. But when you look in that context, it's great because yeah. he tells this really compelling story about like how he was in high school with the football team, there's this other player who's <laughs> humble and the coaches loved him and all this stuff, but the fans hated him because he sucked and, you know, his good attitude didn't really mean anything and it was him who was, uh, you know, ahead of everyone else and I, I thought it was great, you know, I, I was really impressed by this. So this would have been years ago then? Probably, yeah, two or three years ago at least, I think, yeah. So, and that's just, that, again, that impresses me because... Like, I was getting very, like, Johnny Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield are both uh, quarterbacks who have just come up in the last few years. So, like, Johnny Manziel was supposed to be this great, great young talent. But, you know, he, he, he would go out and drink and he would go out and party. And it got to the point that, you know, he was eventually out of the NFL. And then Baker Mayfield now is like a little guy um, who has a bad attitude about everything. But the fans kind of like it because it drives him as a quarterback. And... <laughs> So like he's like probably before both of them he is playing these guys are on every talk like when you talk about football players they're not winning or they're not like they're not in the playoffs right now but but they're talked about because of the things that they do one for good and one for bad maybe but like he gets these things and like he's tapped into that he's that he's a young guy who he can go out and make the bad decisions because somebody's going to cover it up you know and 
then he hates this guy. And this is what I like about wrestling when people get it, because in one way, the coach is probably giving that guy the game ball because you know, he's not just giving it away. That guy's probably good for the locker room. He's probably like the rest of the players probably love him. And, you know, who's probably poison in the locker room mm-hmm. is probably MJF. But at the same time, you know, I can see just as honest a story. This guy doesn't get it done on the field. He's not as good as me. He's not doing anything. Why should I not have this attitude when you're going to reward people over things that don't really matter? And I'm doing the things that matter. So he is telling a very compelling story. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think it's great. I don't have the the football uh, connections that that you do, so um, but that you know, it sounds very uh, authentic to me, and I think it's somebody that uh, anybody can kind of recognize. It's a great story. Like honestly, it's good enough that uh, I don't know how many people have seen this promo, but it, it's something he could even go back to the well on. Uh, you know, if it's part of his character history or something. So it, it's really good. Yeah, and it's impressive. I think all the more. Yeah, it came from a few years ago, and I think he's probably only gotten better. <laughs> and one thing, this is the last thing, because I want to take my time and enjoy this character. So he could be a great heel for a decade to come. But I think he also has the potential to one day be very, very loved by the fans. Because I get the impression that he's got a wound, whether it's his character or him somewhere in the narrative. He's got this wound that he plays out of. And you can feel, like he says in the song, you can be as humble as you goddamn want, but I'm still the better man. So there's still there's still this thing that drives guys like Steve Austin that they get cheered like in 97, even before they're supposed to be a baby face, where it's like, if for, if for, if for year after year after year you say you're the best and you wrestle like you're the best and you work like you're the best, but you never get credit, people start, you know, so... I can see a lot of positive potential for him in the future, yeah. but you know, again, this is this is what the legacy series, and maybe this is already becoming the legacy series. This is what, in real time, this is what it has to be. Like you put all these potentials on the table, and the potentials, every great potential is sitting beside ten uh, potential risks to damage that before it can come to come to be. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So the you know. That is to convince me, and I will say I kind of let it, I've kind of said. <laughs> you convinced yourself before we even started, I think. But uh, yeah, but let him be a young talent. I'm convinced right now they can be one of the best in the low card title division. But I'm also convinced there's not the right move to shoot him up the ranks like right now. Yeah, that's no, I, I think that's very fair. I think having a hierarchy is going to be really important as well in the promotion, which is. Another thing that, yeah, I hope they can strike a good balance on. So we will finish the show with a segment called Reading the Rumors, or Chatter I Found Through a Google Search. (laughs) We have three of them. We will move through them quickly. So the first one is everybody's talking about the fact that there might be a TV deal. The people that hate AEW saying they don't have a TV deal. The people that love it say, well, they got the best TV deals possible, and they're just choosing from them. The company itself just keeps putting out that that they... they have several offers that, that they are working through. Chris Jericho says he wouldn't have signed with the company had that not been the case. And then, so we could talk a little bit about that, but then the rumor, within the rumor, it's probably for all the old people like myself and not for the young people who would be like, who the fuck cares? But one of the potential rumors that goes out there is AEW might end up being picked up by a, a place called Time Warner and it could end up on TBS or TNT. Is this just an old man's dream, Ms. Fan? 
I, uh, I really like the historical connection, and I think it, it could do them some favors. I saw somebody, uh, I don't know if it'll mean anything to you, but somebody joked that Cody will uh, insist on doing a special at 6.05. Uh, I would love that. I would love Which, I, it would be cool, I think. I don't think they want to be too wrapped up in the past, but I think there are some nods you can do to, uh, to make it good. Uh, I'll just say overall, like I said earlier in the show, I think just being on TV at all on a good channel is important. Chris Jericho said uh, something about the dirt bike channel. You know, we don't want to do it if it's just (laughs) that, and that's fine. And that's, uh, I think, a clear shot at places like Impact who have been on some really terrible channels in the past few years. Um, I will say also, I think it's going to be really important that they have some kind of streaming network that is really accessible um, because I think you are dead without that in the modern day. Uh, You kind of need both um, because TV gives you credibility, but I think more and more people are watching with these networks, you know, and that's just the way the world has gone. So I hope they have the infrastructure to do both things and then kind of go from there. Yes. Here's what I would plead with them if I could sit down with them. This is my plea to them. The opposite of everybody going out there and behaving like they're in being the elite is (laughs) – Give everyone, whether it's on streaming, whether it's on TV, like in some capacity, follow them around a little bit. Let us know what they're like, their character is like. You know, so, so that way you get the kind of the feel of them. But like you could be the most boring person in the world. But if I see you consistently doing something, I might come to like you. You don't have to act like the wolf pack or the, or, or the bullet club. But the advantage, I think sometimes the advantage is you create a show like Being the Elite and people get to know you intimately, and they, they, they want to support you because they've come to see you intimately. But then what everyone sees from afar is, oh, they're doing the Wolfpack sign, and they're very clicky, and right. you know they're hip, and they wink at us. and you know. But maybe it's not the behavior you need to mimic. Maybe it's the platform and the opportunity to be seen and known and connect with an audience. For sure, for sure. And on that point... A lot of people are going to watch this who have never watched Being the Elite. I have never personally watched Being the Elite, and I am, like, all about wrestling stuff, um, you know, from uh, all over the place. So definitely, I think, will not be able to rely on anything they've revealed there. It's going to be important to do vignettes, to do, like you said, to follow these people, to to give ideas of who they are in a way that's going to be uh, easy to grasp and compelling so, yeah, uh, you know, uh, as much as that's on TV or it's on some sort of streaming network or anywhere, you know, I, that's, that is that that is what I want to see uh, in some form or another. Yeah, I will say for myself, I wanted to support All In because I like what they were doing, but they got my money, my plane ticket that I had to buy, my room I had to buy, and then the money I spent for a ticket and to buy stuff there. They got that off of the NWA videos about Cody Rose and Nick Aldis. Yeah, the 10 so. pounds of gold, right? Yeah. yeah, so, you know, a lot of people, I think, I think older, there's older people that would go for it if you do it right, and then I think, like, working with a lot of younger people in my actual life, you know, they're used to everybody they know, celebrities, no matter who they are, they know them all intimately, or at least, you know, what they project intimately, 24-7, they can access something to do with these people, Right. you know, so I think you're you're just moving in the right direction, it just doesn't make sense for me to know five people intimately, and it's like the other 40 people on the roster just or like, yeah, you get no access to me, you know. Right. So, yeah, and I will say, bottom line, TV deal, if I have Hulu and I'm paying for it, or if I have cable, I want you to be on a fucking channel that I'm paying for. Right. Like, to me, that's the, the, the first victory. 
I actually have no desire to see them on TNT because I know exactly what that would set up. Zero desire. I would love for them to be on TBS just for, you know, my old sake. And if it was 605 or whatever, it wouldn't do anything beyond a few people. But for me, it would be I would try to watch them three weeks longer than I could tolerate it if I did not enjoy it if they were on TBS. So That's amazing. Uh, the rumor is, we know absolutely that, bottom line, this is not rumor. We know they're going for the Bleacher Brothers. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Even in the new video, uh, the four-minute video that they put out advertising February 7th, they're showing a lot of pictures from All In, and one of the very first pictures is a still frame of Pentagon, and that just came out. But now the rumor is that they offered a pretty decent contract, and they're now in a bidding war with TNA. And the reason I see this as maybe bullshit or maybe potential, because it doesn't make sense to me, because in late 2018, the rumor was that uh, the Lucha Brothers were going to go to WWE, but they couldn't do it because of a contract with uh, Lucha Underground. I think that might have been disproved. I saw some stuff okay. from Cult Icon about that was not really quite the story, so I don't want to I don't want to swear to anything, but that might not be the same kind of barrier. Okay, so that's interesting because to me that made no sense then. So, so why then can you not get them because of TNA? But So the rumor is that we are now in a bidding war between TNA and AEW over the Lucha Brothers. Thoughts on that and thoughts on the Lucha Brothers and potential work with AEW? Right. I think uh, one thing to remember uh, in all of this is uh, there are contracts and there are contracts now, and it's a little different than before. You know, uh, sometimes you can just use somebody, um, you know, and they might have a, a bigger contract or a more like binding contract somewhere else but you can still be on your television there are exclusive contracts which we're seeing a lot more of now so it depends on a lot of factors i think and how willing people are to work with each other and when certain things expire and yeah i just don't have the information on all that so i'm not even going to try what i will say is that uh impact wrestling i watched a bit of them this year um it's clear that they've really turned a corner from a really low place they hit when Anthem first took over in 2017, which was so bad that I stopped watching the promotion entirely. Mm. Um, They've clearly bounced back from that to a great extent, but uh, no matter how much Impact Wrestling improves, they will never, ever shake the wrestling world. It's impossible. It cannot be done anymore. Um, AEW is a totally different story, so I really, really hope at the end of the day, that the Lucha Brothers are able to go and work with AEW in a very major role, because I think they are two of the most important talents in the world today, and I think that is where they can add value, and where they will make the biggest difference. Um, And I also hope for Lucha Underground Season 5, so please let those things coexist. Wrestling God in the Sky, if you exist. Um... But, yeah, that's that's my take on that. I don't see it being difficult for the, those two to coexist because Impact and um, right. Season 4 coexist. Exactly. exactly. I, I think there will come a time, and this is going to be rough on AEW because the, just the belief is these guys should be able to, to deliver something. You know, they got, the, they got the money. They got, you know, they got the hype. They got the momentum. Uh-huh. But WWE was really smart, and they're, they're locking people the fuck down right now. Exactly. Yeah. So I think I do think there were avenues they were planning to go in that direction that they're not going to go. And I think they're also seeing from independent wrestling that they're not just going to be like, take our talent. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I do think there has as there's been some roadblocks, which led to Cody saying what he said. 
But I really believe, and this is even putting my fandom aside, that there are no two more important people, possibly. Like, they might be as important. There's nobody more important than, you know, getting these guys. Partly because I just think they have a lot of potential, especially Pentagon. But also because this is also guys that were in All In. So you know, without them saying it, you know they're trying to get these guys. Right, yeah. So can they deliver? And they, they talk so much about they're trying to reward the core people who believed in them before they, they proved anything. So you're trying to get these guys. Can you do it? And I would just say as a Pentagon fan now putting that hat back on, you could run a shit company, but if you book Pentagon right, I would still be watching you. So <laughs> sure. if you don't get Pentagon, and, you know, they, you know, they're doing cool things in Impact. They're the Lucha Bros, apparently. They're supposedly just had a match of the year candidate uh, match for some people, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. But again... That's not what I want from Pentagon, so we'll see. Exactly, yeah. The Lucha Brothers in general are such a double-edged sword because they are a lot of fun together, and yet I actually much prefer them apart. I think that's where they add the most value. The worst (laughs) thing for me, because this would just be so bitterly disappointing, is that both guys get signed to AEW, and then they are brought in to helm the tag team division. Which could happen. Which could easily happen, absolutely. Who did that you say they worked with so much when they came here? Yeah. Yeah, do you don't think Young Bucks would want to work with them again in AEW? They're the Lucha Brothers, I'm sure. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, that could easily happen. And, that, and that's something, again, I've never seen this so much, but, like, the big problem they have is they got too much potential to be too many different things. <laughs> yeah. But you can't spend your whole life being, like, one-third this, one-third that, and one-third something else if you really want to... You know, I think max out. So we'll see. But I do think this this goes back to two things. They need to work. AEW needs to be working with other companies, you know. And then number two, I think they got to deliver. Like, you got to get at least one of them, if not both of them. You can't you can't strike out and we'll see what happens. And in my gut. I don't think they do. I don't think they show. Yeah, I might be way overthinking it. But I don't think you get like this a clip of just like still shot of Pentagon as one of your prominent shots in a new video when you're striking out with them, you know. I agree. I agree. We'll see. Finally, the last thing for this show, something I wouldn't in a million years have never thought about, something that probably won't happen, but it's just like what is what is what's your gut reaction to just even the suggestion of this? Uh, double or nothing, NWA world title, third match, Cody Rhodes meets Nick Aldis again. Gut reaction, um, I really enjoyed the story of uh, Cody and Nick Aldis um, surrounding All In. I thought it was really spectacularly executed. It's part of why the event succeeded. But at the same time, I really feel like the buzz is gone from that feud. Uh, Aldis won the title back so quickly and in kind of a really nondescript way, a way that not a lot of people really saw or even talked about that much. I thought it was a buzzkill. And even though all this held his own through all of this, I just don't see him as a good long-term investment. I think there's a better way to use Cody. I would rather see him find something new, something uh, that is also really personal to him that he can sink his teeth into that may have more long-reaching consequences. Um, The only way I'll say that I would like to see it is if the NWA is going to be partnered with AEW long-term and Cody is actually going to carry that title into the future. But I I don't want to see them just do it just for the sake of it and have all this win again. And then, you know, that's kind of it for the NWA title. That would be a little depressing to me. I think you, you summed up all of my thoughts because my first reaction was, Oh God, no, we're not doing that. We're <laughs> right. going forward. We're not going backward. 
you know, I haven't watched. It sucks. I, I'm happy because once in a while on YouTube, one of the NWA videos will pop up, and they, and they consistently get 10,000 views at least, and I'm like, good for you. Yeah. But I have not watched him since um, since I, since I kind of knew where it was going and Cody was not really a part of it. Right. But then the one thing that quickly, in my first initial thoughts, there was such a turnoff, I quickly changed my mind in that if you could work out a deal, and I think it would be both, it could be good for both parties, where the NWA is featured on AEW by Cody being the NWA champion, and you know, I think the way that that could work is that the, they could tell enough, they could they could make me care about the story again if I if they if they had long term investment, mm-hmm. and it also would do away early with what we might call the Jeff Jarrett problem, which <laughs> is whether he deserves it or not. When Cody Rhodes becomes AEW World Champion, there's going to be a shitload of pushback because of what his role is. Sure, yeah. So if you got if you had him working for a while as NWA Champion, you got him doing something prominent, but it can't be like, oh, he booked himself as the champion in his company. So right, right. You know, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not necessarily saying it should be, it should happen, but there is like that one weird path where if they really pulled that off, that could be really cool. You know. So. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um... It'll be interesting, though. I hadn't even thought until you said about Cody being AEW champion. I guess it does seem likely, but I almost sort of wish it doesn't happen, or if it does, it happens in such a way that it's sort of an undeniable thing. Um, But yeah, Booker is booking themselves. You know, that was a big downfall of Dusty himself, as great as he was. That was a big criticism people had of him in the day. Um, So yeah, I don't know. It's a danger, and it's a danger I'm sure Cody's aware of, but that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, the only reason I thought about it is because I saw people bitching online about like like it already happened. So, <laughs> of course, you know. of course, yeah. Appreciate but yeah, this was the first edition. This was the debut edition of All About, All Elite. I hopefully you found things to sink your teeth into. We, different weeks will be different. We'll have some of these staples, but every week something's happening. Like if somebody getting signed, we're definitely going to jump on that. Match it. When matches start getting named, we're going to break those down for what not only they look like, but what is double or nothing shaping up to be. In two weeks, we'll be able to break down uh, the ticket uh, event that is going to be streamed. And if it's going to be streamed, I have to think they're going to, we're going to get some, maybe a match announced, or we're going to get some, or maybe somebody be there that we don't know about. So you would think something's going to go down. But yeah, thank you for listening uh, to the very first edition of All About All Elite. Absolutely so. A few quick thoughts before we end up here. Um, Talking about new signings, we did learn, I think, just maybe just yesterday that uh, Jungle Boy yes. has also been signed to AEW. Uh, if you didn't know, that is Luke Perry's kid, the actor, which is a weird connection. Yeah. Um, I have not actually seen Jungle Boy, so maybe uh, we'll have to both try to be convinced or not. Uh, I've definitely heard good things. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have a look at him at some point, most likely. If you uh, wanted to put this butt in a seat, you would find Jason. If Jason Priestley has a son, you would sign him too, and you would have Jason Priestley's son versus Luke Perry's. <laughs> I'm done. There you go. Oh man, I thought you were gonna wrestle. I thought you were gonna reference uh, Jason Hervey for a second. Um, no. Go back to that WCW connection, <laughs> but no, no, none of that, please. Um, yeah, few, few, just last quick thoughts about uh, some things Jericho said that I liked a lot, and I think uh, I hope it's something that he brings to the promotion. Um, one thing he talked about is uh, don't be the next Dynamite Kid, which mm. I think is great advice you can give to some of the young talent of today. Um, I think he was talking about Will Ospreay in general, uh, who's a very popular guy that I am not super fond of for a couple of reasons, but basically uh, he's an incredibly athletically talented guy, just uh, above and beyond 
in that respect. Um, but he's a guy who really is quite young still and has had uh, some real big problems with injuries just because of the way he wrestles. And yeah, I mean, uh, you can wrestle and be great and be significant without killing yourself, you know, and th- that's something that I would love Chris Jericho, who has always been uh, pretty safe, who has always been pretty injury-free, to uh, really impress on the generation of people coming in. Um because it's going to be really tempting with the Young Bucks, with the PWG influence, mm. just go out there and just be nuts, you know, as 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 much and as hard as you can, and not really think about what might happen in five years, in two years, in ten years, you know, all of that. So I I, I would love for that mindset to be impressed uh, upon the roster to some extent, and uh, find some different ways to get over rather than just uh, risking your life and breaking your back. I I one million percent agree. You know, as number one, I don't want to just watch that personally. And then number two, it's like if the concussion thing became a thing in the NFL, and their and their response was, "We want more helmet to helmet contact." By God, right? You know, like nobody would tolerate that. No, and it's been really shocking to me, honestly. And this is something uh, maybe just slightly off topic, but if you're going to be watching more, um independent wrestling then it's something that you might see as well uh headbutts are coming like way into style now which is so counterproductive to what i think we really obviously should have learned from the past you know 10 12 years post benoit post all the other people who've had issues uh, with head and neck trauma so yeah safety i really hope is going to be first uh in this promotion um they've talked some about giving better health care to wrestlers. It's not really clear what that looks like. They've talked about having some, at at first it was sort of union, and Cody has now kind of like pushed back on that. There's some sort of like association with the wrestlers. So yeah, I just, uh, I really hope some of that takes takes form and uh, safety is really going to be important in the new promotion because it's super easy to just take the chances that WWE won't take and try to get over that way. But I think that's going to be really counterproductive in the long run. And it's already been tried. And that's yeah, not the pathway. Yeah. You know, and so very few people have made me watch WWE in the last 20 years. Daniel Bryan was one of them. But towards the end of me watching it, like, I could hardly watch him anymore because he would do a bunch of headbutts, you know. Right. And it's just so gross to me when we know what we know, and especially when he was, like, not only having injury issues, but then he was going to bitch and want to leave the company if they didn't let him wrestle. <laughs> well, then, you know, I behave like, in a responsible way when you're wrestling. Right, right. I love Daniel Bryan, but I definitely I get where you're coming from with that. You know, there, there's a responsibility. And you could say, like, oh, they're adults. They make their own choices. But that stuff has an impact on us as fans as well. I, I feel horrible, you know, when a wrestler gets injured, um, you know, and uh, you, you talk a lot about, you know, sensitive people, and maybe yeah. not everyone's like that. But, man, some of us are. So you do have some responsibility, I think to take care of yourself and companies definitely have a responsibility to make people take care of themselves to a certain extent. So yeah. And then here's the, what, what do you lose if you don't do a headbutt? Exactly. There's so many better ways. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with the point entirely. And, and you know, it's also, you, you know, again, I'm going to say this a million times. So let's go ahead and, you know, start your drinking games. Um, (laughs) but the bottom line is you're not trying to be a niche independent wrestling company. You're trying to be seven, eight, nine, ten things right. so you can be on a bigger platform. So 
you know, if it's just a spot fest, great. But like, I can I can also find that in a lot of places. So right. okay, that's all. Absolutely. All right. One last point. Uh, Chris Jericho made a great point. Um, and again, I want to stress that uh, I never want this to turn into just like uh, AEW versus WWE or just WWE bashing. But I, I, he made a great point that in WWE, you know, there's a lot of great stuff going on and a lot of people doing great things. But it also doesn't really matter what you do in WWE yeah. because it'll always be WWE. The brand, you know, is paramount. Um, nobody can really stick out past a certain spot. Um and, you know, it, it is what it is. And uh, like I said, I think they still do a lot of really good things within that framework. But in AEW, this is a place, this is the chance to do something different. And this is what I hope people are realizing, because I've seen a lot of people saying, like, oh, why would anyone sign with AEW and not WWE? You can probably make better money. You know, Kenny Omega is a big talking point. It's like, of course, he, he needs to go to WWE because of better money and because of these wrestlers that he can wrestle with. And I'm like, okay, sure, maybe he will do that, and that's totally up to him. And I would never blame him if he did that. But he will never get the chance in WWE to make the kind of difference to the history, to the legacy of the wrestling industry that he will potentially, and I say potentially, get in AEW. And that that means a lot, I think, to a certain kind of person. And even though... I don't even like Kenny Omega that much as a performer, but I hope he goes with AEW because I think that's what people are going to remember in 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And they're not, they're just, you know, it won't be the same kind of thing, I think. Anyone who goes to the WWE may do great things, but they'll be lost in the machine. And this is a chance to do something different. I think I can checkmate that. If it's not in my notes, so I don't know if I can formulate it, but I'm going to try. So. The minute AEW put out the word that whether it's true or not, they can sign wrestlers to the same amount of money or whoever put that out. I don't know if that was Meltzer or someone else. But the minute it came out that they're putting out that kind of money, it became a rumor that everyone who has not been like, booked well wanted out of their WWE contracts, <laughs> whether any of it's true or not. You had Finn Balor, Sasha Banks, The Revival, Randy Orton even like flirting online with people from AEW. Oh so Dolph on and Ziggler. so forth. Yeah, I've heard Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, I, I read a lot of comments and a lot of commentary, and that even the WWE fans would say, you know, well, one argument which doesn't need to be discussed, oh, well, they're a piece of shit anyway. I never liked them because they might leave, you know. But the, <laughs> the other one was, like, no company will be able to do what WWE can do long-term. And, and you know what? I agree with that. But nobody anywhere that I've ever seen said that these articles cannot be true because these people are happy creatively or WWE books them well. Like even the WWE fans didn't make that argument. They made the argument WWE is bigger and better and has more money. But nobody said, I don't believe that can be true because you get creative freedom in WWE. It's just a like a foregone, no matter which side you're on, that if you want to have any creative input and make a difference in that way, then you, whether you're unless you're a very 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 special soul in WWE, you have to be considered leaving the company, whether you would otherwise do it or not. Right, right. That's what that's what is is exciting because then that makes me think that perhaps if we get people from WWE, which I don't necessarily even want. Maybe it will be people who <laughs> are risking something because they really want to, you know, try to be something that we haven't seen before. Right. All yeah. right. Good, good, good stuff. That conversation will come back, I'm sure. 
Absolutely so. And I'll just say, um, yeah, that's just a final response to that. Um, there are certain people in the WWE that if they leave, I hope AEW won't take them, you know, to be perfectly honest, because I think there are some very bad choices they could make in taking people over and giving them a big role, and that's, uh, I think, going to be their fastest way to the TNA comparisons, which they're going to have to avoid at all costs. But then yeah. again, yeah, there could be some people uh, who get out, who come over, and who, um, yeah, who do get that creative uh, fulfillment, who get a new lease on life, and uh, I would love to see some of that. It's just going to be an interesting balance. But Be um, careful, is all. Be very careful, please. Um, and then, yeah, uh, the question of security versus freedom um, is not unique to wrestling, but I think it's really interesting how we're seeing that right now. Um, this nobody is the first could time ever. ever. Yeah, no one would ever argue that WWE is the less risky choice for anyone who wants to sign, but... It's not just about uh, will you be secure financially in the future. That's always going to be important. But there's more to life than just do I have enough money, you know, honestly. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see who goes where. I'm very curious about it. This is also the, the first time ever since WCW that whether AEW lasts long term or not, if the rumors are right, mm -hmm. your first paycheck is going to be a big one. Yeah. So like, nobody's been able to do that. So it makes sense that even if you're fucking miserable – you're not going to go home and tell your family, like, you know, well, my creativity comes first. I think I'm going to start making $45,000, you know, and so <laughs> we're going to make some adjustments, right. you know. But we, that opportunity, to me, if you really believe in yourself and AEW gets a deal and you believe in them, it's not that it's not nearly as risky to make a lateral move, at least initially, and then hope for the best going forward. Yeah, absolutely. It's a unique world uh wrestling as i said changed so much in the past five years it's changing still um so we don't know where it'll go what it'll look like um it's so radically different but i'm loving it because it's it's its own unique sort of boom and i hope it's sustainable and maybe it won't be but i'm loving it in the moment and i, I can't wait to see what happens next absolutely this is exciting i hope people will uh see this as a space where you can come and at least dig into all the potentials that might be on the table, where things might go as we break things down week to week. Uh, I'm excited to do the show, and I'm excited. I have no idea where even Double or Nothing is going, so this is all <laughs> wide open right now. And it's nice to be in a moment that is wide open. Yeah, absolutely so. Um, all right, I think that is all that we could possibly have said. Uh, <laughs> the Mystic yes. originally pitched this, oh, let's do like an hour show, and I should <laughs> yes. have known. I should have known that at least the first one would be way over because we haven't talked like this in a long time and we're bouncing off each other and there's so much to speculate on, um, so much that is fact, so much that is uh, just a thought, so much which is just like philosophical stuff just between yeah. us. But uh, it's been great to be back on the air with you, my friend, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing this for as long as it holds our interest. You too, man. You too. All right. And when it does it, WWF The Legacy Series yeah. someday exactly. definitely is going to come back. I'm really looking forward to that, too. Maybe we'll do both if we get – no, probably not. I don't know. Who knows? Nobody knows. It's Nobody knows. It's right now. It's going to be great. But uh, I certainly don't know. <laughs> for sure. Oh, man. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. Uh, if you want to shout me out, I'm on Twitter. I am at SpectralGent. Uh, give me a shout. Give me a follow. Let me know what you thought of the show. Let me know what you want us to talk about in the future regarding uh, All Elite Wrestling and all of it may be within that sphere. Hope you check out the other great programs on LOP Radio. Got a lot of great ones. Also, LordsOfPain.net and LOPForums.com. 
for a lot of great written material. I hope you will check all of that out. Thank you for having us back. Uh, and I think that is all for this week. We'll be back next week with more. We'll talk, We'll see you then. I saw an undiscovered creature Climbing on the mountainside You know that no one else believed me How about that? With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear it's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature The undiscovered creature I never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is An undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered